I like that band. Are they a band or is that a DJ? Black Moss Super Rainbow? Uh, it's kind of a duo. Uh, they, they also do music under the name Tobacco. Well then, welcome everyone. Oh yeah, it's a podcast. Oh, oh, another episode. Shut up! Oh, fuck! Man, you really Watch dropped the podcast is starting. Welcome to another, uh, another episode of Celluloid Breakdown. Over there is Sean Fah. I'm Joey Bonnier. Across the table, we got Derek Laporte. Hello! Next to him, we also got Mr. Tim Snow. Thank you guys so much for letting me come back. No problem. I don't think it's... Uh, I'm just... I yeah, just why not? It. I just really appreciate being here. That's nice. Yeah. Mm. Good to hear. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Derek, this was your pick this week. Yes. Yeah, good job, Derek. Yeah. What, what did you pick, Derek? I uh, picked pickpocket. He picked... He picked a pocket. Pickpocket. He picked, he picked a pickpocket tool, picked... too. Excellent. Really? No one? Come on. <laughs> nope, no one. Sorry. <laughs> no, no one. Out there, no like, one. Jesus Christ, man. Was it, was it the Umpapa film version? Yeah. <gasps> As right. Sean scratches through the next five jokes that he had written. Only <laughs> <laughs> however jokes right out the fucking window. Thank God. We... Well, you know, not every piece of coal mine is a diamond. Yep. But, but just over. Pickpocket by, Pick Ro- Robert, by Bresson. Robert Bresson. Robert Bresson. Robbie Bresson. Robbie B. Robbie B. It's our second uh, Bresson film after A Man Escapes. Yep. This is from 1959. Um, let's go right into our first impressions. So I'm going to talk to Derek first. Hey. Hey, Derek. What was your first impression of this film? Well, my first impression of watching it, I don't know, uh, like maybe sixth time? Something like that, like a lot. I've seen this one a, a, a bunch of times, okay. actually. Um, I um, I had some thoughts, which we'll get into a little later, <laughs> yeah. uh, different from the times I've seen it before. Um, I do feel like it's still, I, I still, I still enjoy this film a lot. Like, and there's some sequences in it that are like, like incredible, you know? Um, and I, I do really feel like um, I noticed because we watched most recently, like we were saying, a man escaped before this. Um, I think that, the acting is it it's a big shift kind of even from that because like mm-hmm. in that it still felt a little more dramatic than this does okay yeah um e- even acting wise yeah, like well, obviously story wise yeah. it's naturally yeah, more the situation kind of lends itself to the drama in that yeah one, yeah it's in true a but even even i guess the acting too uh and main uh, it it just felt very different, and so I, I've got some thoughts about that too. But, uh, but was yeah. this more enjoyable than your previous five times? Um, I would say that. Well, I kind of know so much of it now that that I can just kind of pick through some of it, okay. and I think I kind of was maybe a little too in the weeds a few times when I was watching this time. Okay, uh, that's gonna happen though. Yeah, that's naturally gonna happen with anything you watch so many times. Yeah. So not in chronological order from like the first viewing to the sixth viewing, how mm-hmm. would you rank them? <laughs> not in chronological order. Uh like five, two, one, four, three, six. Yeah. No. <laughs> se- uh, on on what scale? Oh no, no, no. I mean, like, did you enjoy the fourth viewing the most? No, and no, then, like, no, what no, was no. the I would second favorite the, after no, that? No, no. Like, was it the first after the A like did you enjoy the first the, viewing as the, the second, second most? Second was the solid one. Right on. Right. Cool. All right. Uh, Sean, what was your first impression? Um, 
Tim. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I had a good time. Um, I was, I, knowing a little more about Brisson and going into this, uh, having watched A Man Escaped, which is, you know, I would say objectively a more entertaining film. Yeah. yeah. Just because the situation lends itself to the drama, the acting's a little more dramatic. Mm -hmm. Um, and you end with, you know, you literally end with a character crawling on telephone wire. You yeah. Know? Right. Uh, this is a little bit more High of like- tension. I, I just really enjoyed it because this was a I, I saw this as a little bit more like on its face philosophical and like asking questions about like you know <laughs> I'm sorry I just, there's just like this running thing in the movie where people like ask a question and then turn around and leave immediately I just thought it was really amusing the wind from my sails every <laughs> episode um, he's good at it but. Uh, <clears throat> Fuck. It has questions. Yeah, it was more no. philosophical. So yeah, this one was a little more on its nose philosophical, which I enjoyed. Uh, I really loved, like the sound in this film was almost like ASMR to me. Yeah. Uh, the, the footsteps were hypnotic and I loved that. I love the intention in Brisson's films. So like that, that really showed more so than in A Man Escape. This film showed a lot more intent. So I enjoyed it for that. So I liked it a lot. That's my first viewing. Thanks, Sean. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I tend to agree with what you say, Tim, as far as our, it's very different than a man escaped. It's definitely a deeper film. It's trying to say more. I mean, a man escaped on its face is objectively more entertaining because it's, a, it's just, it's a universal story of redemption and escape. And yeah, we can all relate to <laughs> that man. in a certain way. <laughs> the man gets out. He escaped. The man yeah. escaped. <laughs> but this is definitely a, a deeper one. I can, I mean, Sean is never going to enjoy this film in a million years. Um, it's just not that kind of thing. It's like on the verge of something I could enjoy though. Really? Like it's, it's, it, like I felt like this movie was showing me all of the moments in between the movie I actually wanted right, to no, see. And actually that I wanted to bring that up and I kind of agree with that point. And that I, I kind of mentioned yeah. it when we were watching, there's a lot of yada yadding. Mm. But I think that's the point of the film in that he wants you to focus on the more boring, mundane moments of life and meditate on them. <laughs> I, and that can get slow. No, I, and I, I understand that as a goal. It's just that like it didn't translate pun intended i guess the, the the there was no like emotion that i really got from this he from the stuff we were seeing and like even the opening crawl thing or whatever the fuck you call it it was all about like trying to give the viewer the feeling and the impression of being in this you know person that is dealing with this turmoil or whatever the fuck and i never got that i just yeah. kind of got like a dude sitting there like it was all just very cutty and like you talk, now I talk, now you talk, and we sit there looking French. As I, you so I totally it. agree with that. And that he's asking the audience, and Derek is going to speak to this more because he knows more about Brisson, but I feel like he's trying to get the audience to put their own stuff onto the characters, whereas instead of the characters pushing their yeah. Yeah. their own. I mean, that's okay to me. I like that meditative, yeah. pensive. You got paid. You write the movie. What the fuck am I writing your movie <laughs> well, for? The characters, the characters are kind of archetypes. And so, like, our main archetype, then, is uh, this this Michelle character that takes up pickpocketing. Just on a lark. Michelle's you know? a man. Michelle. Yeah. Yes. Just for the audience that, you know. <clears throat> yes. M Michelle is uh, Martin LaSalle. But he takes up pickpocketing, you know, just on a lark. And uh, he's arrested yeah. soon thereafter. <laughs> and uh, so shortly after he's released from jail, his mother dies. 
And uh, despite the objections of his only friend, Jacques, and his mother's neighbors, Jean, who are all friends, um, which, uh, yeah, Michel teams up with a couple of petty thieves to improve his craft with a police inspector, Jean Pellery, uh, keeping an eye on him. Michel also tries to get a straight job, and uh, the temptation to steal, just a little too hard to resist, and eventually he does get caught. And Mm -hmm. uh, he ends the film in prison with... uh, uh, with Jean through the bars, and he finally realizes that Jean is what he needs, after all, instead of too late a wallet. Yeah, it's a wallet. Finn. Yep. Finn. Finn doesn't need a wallet. Okay, so Jean. This is what interests me a lot because it, when we watch the interview after mm-hmm. uh, Brasson, he talks about how. Um, the life of a thief is a lonely one of solitude. Yeah. I thought this was really, really interesting. A prison. A prison. Um, why, why do you think he said that, uh, Derek? Um, well, I, I think that there's kind of an ongoing theme in this movie. And this was one of the things that I noticed this time that I had not noticed before. Because there's, there's always like a lot of doorways in this movie, right? Yeah. There's always shooting through doorways. Mm-hmm. There's always entering doorways. Very often his doorway is left open yeah. and he leaves his house and it's open. He never, he ever never closes <laughs> the door. shuts it, which is, he is a, he is somebody who steals other people's stuff. Right. So he has this thing of being kind of like above the others, right? Because sure. he assumes that if he doesn't lock his door or anything, he just has to close it and no one, yeah. Yeah, he's, no one in he's the he, apex predator. He's the apex yeah. predator. Yeah. He's, no one is going to come in there and the steal Superman. Stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a thing that and, he mentions throughout the film is that uh, there's the existence of supermen who, who through their superior intellect, find themselves to be above the law, basically. Yeah. A Nietzsche he idea. To this a lot. Basically. Yeah. It's a Nietzsche esque uh, yeah. idea. And then it, 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 it also comes to, comes into like his, the other big reference that he's crimes, uh, crime and punishment. So a Dostoevsky story that this is. Right got a lot of story beats with interesting um but uh but uh getting back to it i think that that also would be a lonely thing right so that's that's a thing of solitude because if you believe you're superior to everybody else then you have no peers yeah you're by yourself you're alone yeah. yeah does every thief have to believe he's a superman or superior i does it come i with don't the think so but i i i do feel like there is an air of that, right? Sure. There is absolutely you. That that is probably most likely. I think a this, bit of that adrenaline. Yeah, too. this particular yeah. type of theft, I think, yeah, probably requires that. Yeah, because yeah. all, all of the characters that engage in it, both him and the other character who turns out to be this. Uh, what, what what was his name? The 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 other character in the film that he oh, teams up with Jacques? to hone his craft, Kasagi yeah. is Kasagi. Yeah, he's actually yeah. yeah. This other character is played by an actual sleight of hand artist. Yeah, um, there's no name for him. No first accomplice. Not in the mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. Oh, that's well, his, uh, but but his name credit. is Kasagi or whatever. Yes, that's the yeah. yeah the okay, yeah. Um, Sean, what did you think? Did, was this realistic portrayal of uh, theft? Um, 
I mean, visually, I got what they were going for, but it was way too open for the camera most of the time. Um, I feel like this is something we've seen a thousand times better in more recent movies. Um, I feel like this is a... Uh, uh, who's the dude that did pie and fucking, um, Darren Aronofsky. Yeah. I feel like like an Aronofsky type cut of this or like a, um, uh, a guy Richie type thing where yeah, like, yeah, like you mentioned lock stock yeah, at one point and I kind of yeah. got that. Yeah. Yeah. Just, or like Edgar Wright. Exactly. You know? Yeah. They're yeah. just like, there was a pacing issue with the stealing of the things where they were like showing us the moves, but it was like in super slow motion. So like the people would like get what was going on and they like really tell graphed all the moves, which made it feel like it wouldn't work. So like in trying to show the audience what was going on, it made it made it feel like it was just way too obvious and way mm -hmm. too over the top yeah. for like actually pulling that stuff off, especially when you see like there was the behind or not the behind the scene, but there's like the um, uh, there's as part of the Criterion DVD, there is some footage of this guy actually doing it in front of a crowd and it is fucking seamless. Like you can't really even, unless you're totally looking and even still, you don't see him removing watches and taking fucking wallets out of people's pockets and shit. But like in this movie, it was just so overly shot, shot that like, it just didn't feel right. Well, I, I, yeah, I think you could hit the nail on the head there. It has to be done because it's too fast, right? Yeah. The audience won't pick it up if it's not broken up. Well, into there, there's ways stuff. to do it. It's just, yeah. Yeah. It's tough to do. And again, the audiences probably aren't as savvy as they are now. Yeah. This is probably the first yeah. time anything like this had been right, tried, right. really. Yeah. So, I don't forget, you know. the precedent, probably. Yeah. This is not HD. We're not watching on great projectors. You know, I'm sure it's like. Well, they, it's anyone that watched this movie saw it like 20 times bigger than we did. Uh, Although I had trouble finding those handcuffs in the, at the bottom exactly, of the frame because yeah. it was just quick and I wasn't really looking for it. There yeah. was a moment where I couldn't see where the guy was arrested. He was walking down yep. the, the- Yeah, the, yeah. They were being walked out. His accomplices were. They got arrested before him. And to me, that was like so much of this movie is that like we- all of the important stuff that we needed to know was super quick flashes on screen. And then we would sit in a room with two people sitting in chairs, listening to the awkward silence without the conversation. Like there was just a weird sort of juxtaposition of like speeding through the shit that like you wanted to see. And then just like really lingering on the shit that didn't matter as much, which, yeah. Well, and that's interesting you say that because there's a lot of nihilism in this movie. You know, there's a lot. She even asks him, I think. Uh, there's I'm sorry. opposed nihilism, you know. Okay. Yeah, it's represented. Yeah. I think mm -hmm. it's, at one point, I'm sorry to think I want to remember her name. What's her name? Uh, Marika Jean. Green Jean. Yeah, Marika Green. Yeah. Um, she asks him, like, does do anything matter? Yeah, do you yeah. believe in nothing? Does anything matter to you? Yeah. Kind of thing. And he's and like, then she walked away without waiting for an answer. <laughs> That, uh, yeah, I, I think that's a very, I, uh, sorry to say, French thing to yeah, do. Yeah, it's, yeah. In, and we, I, we talked about this earlier when we were kind of mentioning during the film, there's a lot of this existentialism kind of stuff going yeah. on in the film. Um, Sartre and Camus are both French intellectuals who talk about this stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's the idea that maybe nothing does kind of matter. Maybe it, there is no real meaning. Mm -hmm. There's no reason for everything, you yeah. know? Yeah, I just feel like this movie just took itself so fucking seriously. Like, you know, an Edgar Wright version of this would be very entertaining, but the... You know, yeah. I, I think you have a point, though, in that 
And it would have been effective if they maybe made the actual stealing more energetic and adrenaline pumping mm-hmm. because it would have kind of given you what yeah. the, the ups of stealing. And then you could also have the more boring moments or the slower ones, the downs of stealing, which is more realistic, yeah. I think. But even the downs of stealing was like literally, I felt more boredom than I did like tension. You know, I like, I, there just needed to be like dripping water in ticking clocks and like, you know, just that like sort of that, that buildup of like, you know, sitting there alone and isolated and like the, you know, the, the minute minutiae like surrounding you where most of this was mostly just kind of him sitting around having awkward conversations and kind of staring at people. Like I, again, I just didn't feel what they were saying they wanted us to feel, I guess. What do you think, Derek? Um, should I I felt wrong? Well, no, I I think that an Edgar Wright version would just be, that's just like a, that's just a whole different thing. It's like saying there could be a Michael Bay version of it too. Sure, there could be like any kind of other version, but you're, then, you're, then you're just saying it's a different film. Right. You know? I, um, I, I was just trying to compromise on that. I think there could be a nice Edgar yeah, Wright there could style be. of the montage maybe. Um, I'm certain. Yeah. I mean, I mean. Yeah, I, think, I could see that, but I think the contemporary version of this exact film would have that. You yeah, know what I mean? it would be. Yeah, I think if you watched this with like 1959 eyes, you might be more impressed by what you saw. Yeah, and then I think too that sufficiently the, for the story to work. The other thing is, there, which is all that really matters. Sorry. I mean, if the philosophical thing is very important to the director and, uh. Which is obvious because it's starting out with that. It's not even saying <laughs> right. this is not a thriller, yeah. right? Yeah. So, right. So, I, I, I feel like I, I do get some of those times in which like things are things are strange. We've got people like, you know, they're walking off and they're looking behind them and they're not, you know, questions with. A, they still do that actually in movies these days, though, and hmm. shows these days. They have people. They end a scene on a question. Yeah, like all the time that happens. Um, but. But getting back to it, uh, there is – so the Camus thing I was going to mention, because um, Stranger, I think, came out in like 42 or something. So it was before this. Um, What's The Stranger? The Stranger? It's a book It's when you by, sit on your hand and then – It's a novel by Albert Camus. It's yeah. about a, a, a guy who really is kind of an existentialist, nihilist kind of guy. He, yeah, he, he interesting. Goes, he goes, also goes through, I think, I believe the death of his mother as well. So there's a lot of uh, parallels there. Right. And he doesn't feel – Connection, emotion, yeah. grief, the way basically normal to, people would. Basically, to sum it up, he kind of, he he commits a murder, like, in okay. the book. And, uh, and then during the trial, he's put, like, actually most of the problems that people have with him come from how he reacted to his mother's death and less, less than what they actually feel about him otherwise. So like all their, all the character witnesses are like, how can somebody act like this when their mom died? You know, like that kind of thing. Um, it's a real good book. Uh, but, um, but Camus, when he was right, when he was writing that, he said that you know, everything you need to know about a character by the way that they act towards their mother. Hmm. So stranger starts with his mother having already died. And basically, the first couple of lines are it is is something, and I'm paraphrasing. Uh, my mother died Thursday, or was it Wednesday? I can't remember. Like 
that kind of thing, right? right. Where it's immediately like immediately know a lot about that. You character. immediately yeah. know yeah. a lot about that character. Similarly, we know a lot about this guy because he never goes to see his mom, right? right. Yeah. Instead, he's passing money to Jean to like go in and like so give that to her. He, and everything. I'm sorry. Did he also he steals from his? He mom also as well. we yeah. find out later right. he stole from his mom. Yeah. That's uh, why he was too ashamed to go back and face her. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that's really interesting. There's a lot there. Um. I think. I mean. I think t- to say that there is no reason for life is a very tough thing to portray in film. Yeah. Yeah. You know. To, yeah. Or to or to say like there's no reason for anything is a tough thing to show. Um. So in general, it's going to be slow. But I think I don't know. I liked. I liked the way that it, it made you. It forced the audience to kind of sit in those moments. I think. Yeah. yeah. Um. I don't know. I, it kind of ends. It kind of ends hopeful too, which is. Which once we get into later Brisson, yeah. we're going to get less and less of that. But, but at least this one is kind of. It's not as hopeful as a man escape, but I, it's not a downer ending really either, right? No. Because he's gonna. T- uh, we believe Ostensibly he's going to turn his life yeah. around. Yeah, and um, and yeah. So <laughs> that's that's another thing too that's kind of interesting to me about it is, um. So the film's like only I think seventy five minutes. That's how long it did seem short. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the uh, that that was that's one of the things I would say is like in that amount of time, like there's no real feeling. Like there's a lot that happens in her life that's kind of off screen, right? Yeah. Where we have because she has a kid. She has like a little <laughs> baby <laughs> off screen the during the two of that. years when he's she in jail. She left the door unlocked too. Yeah. That, she walked right Everybody in. Everybody does. It's crazy. Yeah. Pretty Lindbergh, No one man. locks the doors. Post yeah. Lindbergh. Yeah. Baby could have just fell down those stairs. Yeah. I mean, windows open. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's a little too teed up, but good, good job. It's teed up. It's okay. It's teed up. I disapprove. <laughs> Of me, <laughs> I always do. So that is interesting, though that that uh, Michelle takes a turn there, right? So he starts trying to do good and tries to, you know, make yeah. a real hard earned mm-hmm. hard earned living and yeah. uh, and give the money to the kid. Yeah, and it doesn't work out. So I think it, you know, event he does, like you said, it does turn out okay, or at least he tries to make life better for. He her. makes an effort, you know. So he doesn't quite end up as nihilistic as he started. Right. Have you guys ever? Have you ever had anything stolen in the past? Uh, I've like I've been mugged. Okay, but not you mean they pickpocketed specifically? No, like I anything like mugged would count too. Like oh yeah, a bunch of times. Yeah. So so how how describe to us that feeling? How did how was that? That just sucks, man. Like uh, you know, it's it's like just this hot shame or like uh, like a hot. Hot, like it's it's just a, it's a it's a hot feeling it's a hot feeling you know ah, that sounds sexy like it it's <laughs> like I don't know you feel it in your face of just this burning like I can't fucking believe this is happening baby mm. I just want you to steal like I can't from me. fucking believe I just got robbed like I don't know I, I I remember waking up on the on the Chicago red line once at like three o'clock in the morning and. My like I I was coming home from the bar and my my I'd fallen asleep. My pockets were cut open like with a razor blade, yeah. and my phone and wallet and keys were gone. And I just I had nothing. And That's I just it, I couldn't fucking believe it. I was just in utter disbelief. Um, yeah, it was, it was 
crazy. Hmm. I don't know if that answers your question at all. No, that's that's some feelings. I think it's interesting that you absolutely, I think- the idea here is that I think we're seeing the uh, the perspective of the thief, yeah, which exactly, is, yeah. and we are sympathizing with the thief in some ways. I mean, yeah. obviously, as you guys did as he can be. Yeah, I mean, at, at most points of the film, we 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 all of us honestly were just like, "Fuck this guy." Yeah, he's I, kind of a twerp. Yeah, well, yeah, I think yeah, that's part of the problem is that they never even try to make him sympathetic. Like, it's not like we see him stealing for his mom. It's not like we see him even getting joy from stealing. It's not like you know there is nothing that comes out of it except like he puts $38 in his pocket like there's just all this fucking work for very little payoff it seems and like it doesn't even feel like the character even cares about it do you think you always have to be sympathetic to a lead character in a story no but you do have to care about something and in this movie there was nothing like the characters didn't care about anything so it's hard to care about anything in the movie if the characters themselves are not facing any sort of turmoil you know there there were the cops but like every time he got arrested it was just like you know uh, kind of getting walked to a car and yeah. driven to a room and like everything well, was so no big deal that like yeah. there were no stakes really. I well, think it's, yeah, I think it's not totally Brisson's fault with that though, because I think the things he's also pulling from, they're just that way. Like for instance, the stranger, you, you the guy's an, an asshole too, like through the whole book, you know? And I, you, you'd never like really connect with the guy. Right. But you You are, you are in his perspective and there is that, and there's that in this, we're in his perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, whether we, you know, we're, we're watching this character and then there, there, there are times in which you're like, you shouldn't do this. You should, you know, don't do that. Don't Mm -hmm. do that. You know? Um, and, and so I, I think that that's at least some sort of investment a little bit there, uh, but I also th- like, obviously, in crime and punishment too. You're kind of also, it's it's difficult to have a character who thinks they're so superior to everyone, mm-hmm. right? And that be somebody that we empathize with, right? Yeah, and, and that's the thing though. Like, I don't think we need to empathize with him, mm. but we need something to latch on to. You okay. know, you can have a character that is a horrible villain, but there is something either charming or charismatic, or at least something that we can see that is driving them. Mm-hmm. You know, even mm. if it's him getting joy out of stealing things from people, that would be something. That and char- there would be something for him to overcome yeah. and mm. a change to see in him. I think right. you're absolutely right, Shaw. But I think that's what. We're- he tried to portray yeah. it. I just think, I, I kind of said this oh. before, it didn't kind of, this wasn't enjoyable watching it. It wasn't, he, we need to see the ups of stealing and him, you know, I think some of that was, we're supposed to appreciate his talent, his mm-hmm. skill, his sleight of hand that he learns. We have the little training montage. So he, he does kind of grow. He gets his skills along the way. So we do appreciate his hard work, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. To but steal, all, but all the ups and downs are pretty monotone. So you don't really feel any of them when we go that either direction. That might be an execution kind yeah. of problem. Um, I do want to talk about the historical context though, because I, you know, I always think about this too because the stranger, all the existentialism, it's like it seems so far off. It seems like, oh, who are these weird people who don't who have strange views who don't care about the world? But to me, when I read The Stranger when I was younger, I empathized with 
Camus, the character. Mm-hmm. And, and not all, because I obviously I'm a murderer and someone, obviously, but it's it was that I think you're supposed to feel a certain way at yeah. a funeral or you're supposed to feel a certain way. Like, society wants you to emote when you when you go to a funeral or something True. like that. And when, when one of my friend's parents died, um, I didn't process it, I think, normally the way a kid should. I just didn't emote. I didn't cry. I didn't grieve. Uh, and I know it's not a big deal now, but it, it just at, back then it, it was a lot of solace in that. I was able to say, okay, there's another character out there that doesn't quite emote normally or doesn't quite do what society's supposed to do in these- Trying street- to tell us you're a sociopath? Maybe. Okay. Or maybe we all have a little of that in us. Yeah. And, and I think that that's why I find uh, The Stranger and, and this one interesting as well, The Thief interesting. And well, I did also, kind of empathize with Michelle in, in some of those ways, I guess. I mean, that also goes into degrees of connection, though. Like your reaction to your friend's parent dying is going to be much different than your reaction to your parent dying or your grandparent dying. Like the sure. degree of separation is huge there. I mean, obviously, I don't know the, the relationship you have there but you know me yeah. thinking back to that age saying. like thinking about any one of well, my let's parents say uh, this, was, this was very close like this was like basically my brother at like a very close friend mm-hmm. and his dad died so, so like an uncle was, dying yeah you can consider it like that it was a big deal but either way um I think it's interesting to look at France in this point because it's 1959 in France and actually I was kind of just Googling when the Algerian War was starting and ending. And it's a really interesting time because uh, the French Republic, the the Fourth Republic went down in 58 and it was replaced in 59 with the Fifth Republic, which was much more authoritarian. And they were all having this argument over the Algerian War, over their colonies, basically, like what to do with their colonies. They were basically fucking with Algeria, you know, killing people and horrible things like that. So there was a lot of that going on in France where they're basically second guessing themselves. And I think that's an interesting idea that that he's kind of catching into the zeitgeist of France at this moment. It's not just, okay, I'm one guy who's disconnected and I sympathize with the thief. It's that, oh, all of France is feeling a little bit disconnected mm-hmm. and can sympathize with this guy who's a yeah. thief. Like like victims of the world that have to be a certain way to get by. Yeah. I don't I, I think that's how I, I saw him. And in many ways. I can see that kind of connecting today. I don't know, yeah. because I feel like there's a yeah. lot of that. It can always connect. Well, you know, there's suppose, always going to be that. But why couldn't he keep the normal job? Like He has an addiction he, or something, or he's, he's got was, a problem. It, it I don't was, know. Well, so it was his past kind of coming back to haunt him. What it was, what I saw it as, which, you know, Derek, correct me if I'm wrong, is that it was the 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 police uh kind of entrapped him a little bit and also you know they gave him something that was too easy and he was too comfortable mm. you know he mentioned that that he got comfortable and thought of, or, and forgot about the police following him right. and so he saw this super easy mark that he just couldn't pass up and mm. it was kind of old habits a little bit so i, I saw it as like his past just kind of came back to haunt him in that way yeah yeah, I, I see it as an addiction, though. I, I do. It is it, also it, that it, yeah. it seems yeah. very much like an addiction, right? It's he's he is totally addicted to it because I mean, like we have that scene where they go to ride on, like they, they uh, uh, Jean and um, Jacques yeah. go to ride on that that plane thing, and he doesn't go with them. He wants to stay there, and then we finally cut to see why, and he sees that guy's watch. So like here he is, he should oh, be out and enjoying time right? with his yeah. friends and all that kind of thing. And he can't because Just he sees that really score. nice watch right yeah. there. And and then and then and then immediately after that, right, um, he asks Jacques if if he's in love with Jean and Jacques doesn't respond, which he's 
certain that he is anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, and so then when he walks off, he takes out that watch and looks at right. it. Right. Like he's got his, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. like, I've got you, precious, yeah. my precious. Yeah, you right? got the girl, you know? I got the watch kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, but you're right. It's so it's a sad, pathetic kind of yeah. revenge. Yeah. yeah. You're right, but we still never felt that. Like, I mean, I felt that because okay. I'm describing it right here, I right suppose. now. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I just, I, yeah, none of that came across to me. Like, yes, you, you I, yeah. I felt it. I didn't understand it as clearly as you said it, but mm. you've also, you're on your sixth watch. That's true. You know, yeah. and the thing is, is this is kind of a, it's kind of a dense yeah. film. And I, I, there's, there's other people like, um, so, so one of the things too is, is that I think, um, getting back to this whole act of stealing and pickpocketing and all that kind of stuff, I, it is a minor crime, right? It's not murdering somebody. It's not doing that kind of stuff, but it is something that's very intimate and very much a violation. Like that yeah. realization that you've had something stolen from you. You're like, yeah. Well, that's something that's yours, right? Personal They've space. taken that from you. It's also mm-hmm. different in that it, it is a personal thing rather yeah. than like a jewel heist or a exactly. bank robbery yeah. or something that is feels very like corporatized or something like, you know, you're you're yeah. actually hurting the regular and you're, man. And you're finding out about it after the fact. So it's like not only not only have you been had, you're a fucking sap. Yeah. Yeah. You know. And and Paul Schrader, like in the in oh, the shit. his version of it that um that I kind of, I see some of the things, I don't totally agree with it, but he, he says that a lot of this, a lot in the film is kind of sexual. Like there's this undercurrent of sexual tension mm-hmm. in the thieving sort mm-hmm. of, and there's oh, one, sure. one specific Absolutely. part, uh, there's one specific part in, I think it's the, I think they're on the bus and uh, he's just learned the, uh, the folding uh, the newspaper. newspaper trick. Yeah, and he goes up to the the not the first guy that guy gets away, but the second guy. That's and they make that eye. Yeah. yeah, they make that eye contact, right? So in yeah, and so you wonder, well, what does this other guy think that's going on? Like, is he? Oh, I th- absolutely. You know that. what I mean? That's oh, yeah. something that's yeah. there. That's in the you, movie. And, yeah, that's why he walked away. Yeah. Oh, I thought that absolutely. I thought there would be. I actually thought there might be a gay panic joke in this in this movie, but it's too serious. There's a no movie. jokes in this movie. Yeah. I know, but it, I thought that might be like a thing where, like, oh, the guy is taking it the wrong way. He's he wants to, you know, follow up. Yeah, yeah. You but, know, tapping toes underneath the. Uh, but yeah, and the stalls. And so like Ace Ventura. Is that Ace Ventura? <laughs> yes. And so the, you saying that it kind of like some parts of this can still be relevant today is sort of accurate because I, I think that I think that Travis Bickle first was a version of Michelle yeah. and basically Paul Schrader has said as much because he wrote Taxi Driver. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, we have now Joker, who's yeah. a version of Travis Bickle, yeah. right? Um Iterations of iterations. Interesting. iterations. I mean, when, when was uh, Taxi Driver? 78, 79? Somewhere in there. Something like that. Something like that in it's an 70s. interesting time period, too. It's, it's, yeah. It is a little similar, uh, you know, of the ending of The Good Times. Now it's a little bit of yeah. the bad times, you know. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Carter is like uh, getting... 76. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that was, it was you know... And it was set in New lot. York, which was not doing well at the time. Yeah, I right. think, yeah, it was kind of the... Gas lines and... Yeah. Right, and ran and uh, I think it was a weird <clears throat> Rolling moment. blackouts and all that. Yep. I think uh, that... That's California, I think. 
I don't also know. New York. Was it? Yeah. Uh, do you guys think that that now is a um, a more nihilistic time? Now? Yeah. Currently, are we in a nihilistic period? Probably. You can well. be or you can't be. Do you think? I am. Do you think more people? Okay, <laughs> about this. Do you think I'm nihilism not, no. is more popular nowadays? No, I think the '90s was far more nihilistic than this is. Like you know, I grew up on Ferris Bueller and fucking you know. Uh, uh, How the old were you in, in the '90s? Uh, I was born in 80, so. Okay, so. You know, your I teens? was 10 through 20 in the 90s, yeah. Mm. So, you know, in, I, I would say that the 90s were way more nihilistic in mm. that, like, you know, there was that that sort of the dude abides mentality that, like, you know, just kind of you're in it for you. I think and- there's a difference there, I, I, to, if I can just push back, mm-hmm. Sean, because I think there's a hedonistic kind of thing there in the 90s where it's not quite right, right. nihilistic. I just feel like there's a fuckload of people that give a sh- way too much of a shit these days. Like, to me, th- this is not but a nihilistic time Nihilism is an apathy, though. I think you're confusing them. Nihilism is saying nothing matters. Apathy is saying I don't care. Right. Yeah, I, the I, 90s was a much more apathetic time. I, I'll, I'll, I okay, say. I'll give you that certainly, but I'm still not on board that now is nihilistic. Well, nothing matters. <clears throat> Because everything's falling apart. I think there's a very small faction that is that might be spouting that, but the vast majority of people seem to be screaming from the rooftops that shit, ma- shit actually matters. It's just no one's doing anything about it. That's the thing. Well, it's, at some point, you shit just gotta, you throw up your hands and you yeah. go, fuck but, it, you know? I, but I don't... I think we went through that and I think there has been an awakening recently where people are fucking actually caring about things. We used to say, fuck it, there was nothing you can do, but now people are actually doing things. You mean the U.S. or you mean- I mean the U.S. That's all, that's the only perspective I ever know. Yeah. I kind of agreed to, I mean, again, we have a very biased perspective because we're in LA, but I think that in general, I think there's a lot of I mean, there's nihilism. been more protests in the last two years than like the entire 30 years of my existence before that. Hmm. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know if that's quite true. I mean, maybe. I think, I think we have more access I think, to I viewing these protests. I think the internet protests. is just so it's ubiquitous possible. now and everyone's got a cell phone. Yeah. And that, being in LA does yeah. hold that up. Yeah. Certainly. I think there's a ton of protests probably that went on that just didn't have cell phone coverage, you know, back in whenever. Well, or, we, or, we didn't, like, or we didn't follow it. We just didn't. Fucking hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah. When was that Skokie thing, actually? When was that? That was late 70s. Oh, it was. Yeah. Skokie, Illinois? Yeah. Yeah, when the Nazis uh, tried to march in Skokie. That's the, most, that's the most northern Illinois thing in the fucking world. Yeah. I just... Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, that's... that's I don't know anything about that Skokie thing. <laughs> I just know a lot about northern Illinois. <laughs> sure. And it's the most Skokie shit I've ever heard. Before. Yeah, Skokie was a heavily Jewish community, and then the Klan wanted to do like, a march Skokie through shit, it. Northern Illinois and shit. Uh, the... Uh, was it the... Uh, um, Skokie. What's, what's the fucking legal team that a, uh, ACLU? A, ACLU, ACLU, not the NWS. The ACLU is oh, the, fighting for their free speech. Uh, yeah, they they actually came in and fought for the Nazis to be able to march. Huh. Yeah. There's a movie about it's called Skokie. It's yeah. we had to watch it in school. That's okay. Interesting. It's more educational. I had to watch The Lion in Winter in school. I I had. Uh, <laughs> you poor poor thing. <laughs> I I had a jacket tailored in Skokie. Ooh. By uh, my friend Chris Cho's parents. Thanks, thanks, Chris. His parents. Let's beat that out. No, I'm not. <laughs> All right, Sean. <laughs> it was in dropping. It was in Skokie. In honor of Chris Cho, yeah, we're gonna go move to their, on. Go to his parents' laundromat. Let's play the game, no, Sean. Drive. All right.
Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready to play the most wondrous and fabulous game? It's called Guess the Oscar. It's not Guess the Oscar. You pressed the wrong one. What is it? Guess the gross. Guess the gross. There you go. Um, yeah, so I'm going to like <laughs> read the description of a movie, and then you're going to tell me oh, how much yeah. it made domestically. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. i got to get the writer thing out. Hang on. And Tim won't write it down, so we can screw all of us. What yep. fucking ever? I lose it anyway. He's gonna, I'm not he's gonna write it down. Write it down. You have a phone. Okay. Open up your no, notes no, 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 app. Everybody get ready to write it down. Somebody give me a pen. 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 You out there in pod listening land can also do it along with us. Yeah. Feel free. Do it send along. us your score. Tell us how much you beat us. What's by. the email they can send it, it to? Um, well, send it to the Twitters. You can go right to uh, Celluloid Breakdown on the Twitters at, at the Celluloid Breakdown, uh, or you Wait, can at the uh, at Celluloid Breakdown. Okay. Sorry, uh, or uh, uh, at text B and four and calling. Uh, you can also uh, yell at Joey at J O E B O N I E R on the Twitters. Uh, Derek Laporte is. At Derek Laporte. Is it at Derek Laporte? Yeah. yeah, that's right. I'm See, available then, on Instagram. And then Tim Snow, you can just follow home and yell at him. At timothy.j.snow on Instagram, you can DM me. That means direct message, and I will reply. Nerd alert. What's our first movie, Sean? All right, gentlemen. <laughs> well done, Sean. We are today talking about movies, about thieves. Thieves. Nice. The greatest criminal minds of all time have finally met their match. In 2004, directed by Joel and Ethan Cohn, we have The Lady Killers. Oh, this is the 2004 Tom Lady Hanks. 2004 Killers? 2004 Lady Tom Killers. Hanks. Yes, this is Tom Hanks, Irma P. Hall, Marlon Wayans, J.K. Simmons, um, um, no one else I fucking recognize. Uh, Ooh, Greg Grunberg. What month? Did, <laughs> what month did this film come oh, out? Jesus God! May I ask? Can you use it in a sentence? Um, where did it go? It's important. Oh it makes God. a difference. I don't know. No, it's I just not. fucking. Yes, it does. Lady Killers. They, when did look it come what you've out? done. Now you're it? just fucking throwing a wrench in all my goddamn. I work. just think that for March twenty sixth of two thousand and four. Ooh, a late 26. spring picture. Yeah. Do you okay. go by the astrology? No, Is that it's why? Based on the economy that he doesn't even know anything about anything. <laughs> no, 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 the one economic event. No, the what economy. Pre nine eleven or pre two thousand. I'm just saying that people's like like were they ready to laugh? Nope. The fiscal year has ebbs and flows. <laughs> hey Tim, Tim, can I ask you a question? Uh, how, much, how much stock do you own? What? How much stock do you own? I don't even have a savings account. <laughs> he's got he's got a can of chicken stock. He's got a can of beef stock. Yeah, he's got. I have recently it. been All charged stocks, overdraft fees. Vegetable stock. <laughs> Let's all take financial advice. Wait, is that twenty five or thirty five dollars? Within the last forty eight hours, I've downloaded a budget app on my phone. <laughs> well, let that be a reminder. Everyone, stop by patreon.com slash podcast to donate to the show and uh, maybe help Tim with some of those. That's it. No, honestly, I just need to get my shit together. All right, gentlemen. In 2004, what did Lady Killers make? Write write something down, Timmer. Yeah. uh, What did it make? Well, I mean, in March. In March. (laughs) March of 2004. That's when it was released. What what did it make? Oh, $48.5 million. $48.5 million. Timmer, Joey. 24. 
24 says Joey and Eric. 7.4. 7.4 million dollars. Wow, that is very little faith in this fucking movie. I had That's very little. Hangs. This one came in at 39.7 million dollars. Mr. Timmer takes I'm telling you guys, Dang. March March? <laughs> March? The Ides of March? <laughs> Late spring? Well, it was after the Beware. March. It was after the Ides. It was, you oh, know, well. Yeah. yeah. People That's didn't wear the Ides are of March. stressed, okay? They're getting a sitter and they're going to see the lady killers. Spring right, break. Spring break. All right. So Ordinary guys. Week? An extraordinary robbery. In 2011, directed by Brett Ratner, we Ooh. have Tower Heist. Tower Heist. Is this with Eddie Murphy? Is this that- is Ben Stiller, Eddie Murphy, Casey Affleck, yeah. Alan Alda, Matthew Broderick, uh, uh, Judd Hirsch, Taylor Leone, fucking no one. Oh, Peter. What year again? This was 2011, November 4th of 2011. Don't engage him. Well, I found where it is now. So oh, okay. November 4th. <laughs> really? November yeah. 4th. They're going to move four. They're going to move that on November? Yeah. Like in November. Oh, that's such an award winning film? That is a June picture. A Benny and June. Can we pick the goddamn Tim, how much a June make? picture. That movie made eighty-seven million bucks. Eighty-seven wow. million dollars. Joey, nineteen. Nineteen and Derek, one hundred and one. One hundred and one. As many Dalmatians as you could jam in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one took in seventy-eight million dollars. Wow. Timmer takes it again. Ouch. Wow, he's doing good with the March movies. It's like writing no, it down. Was a November film. It was November. Oh, yeah. yeah. Totally different audience, Derek. Yeah, that's true. All right, gentlemen. <laughs> next up on the list, how do you get a man who has what? How do you get the? Oh. How, do you, how do you get a man who's dyslexic? <laughs> what? To read this? How do you get a man who has what? How do you get a man who has what? <laughs> how do you get the man who has everything? That is fucking a weird turn of phrase. Uh, mm-hmm. In 1999, directed by John McTiernan, uh, we have the Thomas Crown Affair. That is a fucking awful, awful logline. Yeah. How do you weird. get the man who has everything? Yeah. I don't fucking know. That's trap. Right. Like, what do you get the man who has everything? Right. That's, that's what, the question. That's why I stumbled over it. Fucking dick. Yeah. This, t- this is Pierce Brosnan. But that's a Jared Brosnan. The Thomas Crown affair. Rene Russo, Dennis Leary. He's actually good on this, Dennis Leary. Really? Yeah. I kind of like this movie. I like Dennis Leary. It's okay. This was 1999. Timmer, what did it make? 23.3 million dollars. 23.3. People were not. It is pre Y2K. Yeah, 23.3. Um, well, it, I mean, it was August 6th. I don't know if that affects your That's head. like direct. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, like that's the beginning of the, of the Y2K fiscal quarter. Mm, so like. Derek. Yeah. 62 million. 62 million. And Joey. 55. 55. Uh, the Thomas Crown Affair came in at $69 million. Derek, nice, Derek. takes that one. Ooh, away. that was a performer. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, not too bad. I mean, yeah, it was hot right. on the yep. heels of Goldeneye. Hot on the heels of Goldeneye. Hot on the this heels of a Matrix drive-by days. fruiting also. This was Matrix days. Don't forget the Matrix. Additionally, not Pierce Brosnan, but the Matrix. Uh, some people say that he was in the background in one of the suits. All right, gentlemen. No, they don't. <laughs> Danger is his middle name. 
1991, directed by Michael Lehman, we have Hudson Hawk. Ooh. That was Austin Powers. Hudson Hawk. That's Bruce Willis, Danny Aiello, uh, Andy McDowell, James Colburn, uh, Richard oh, E. Grant, favorite. Sandra Bernhardt, uh, no one else. Um, in 1991, what did Hudson Hawk bring in Timmer? $18 million. $18 million. Joey? 34 million. And Derek? $821,000. Oh, motherfucker. Uh, don't worry, Timmer, you took this one away. It came in at $17.2 million. Okay. I knew it bombed. I knew it bombed because I read yeah. Tony Hawk's autobiography <laughs> and he named his son Hudson Hawk. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Really? So uh, his, his, Riley Hawk's name is actually Hudson Riley Hawk. And he was born and then Hudson Hawk came out right after that, and it fucking bombed. And That's so I just awesome. remember reading that it bombed. <laughs> so they went with Riley. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, gentlemen. Last up on the list, mostly for posterity, because Timmer has Timmer already won. Three out of three out of All right. So a tale of murder, lust, greed, revenge, and seafood. In 1988, directed by Charles Christian, Christian, a fish called Wanda. A fish called Wanda. This one stars Kevin John Cleese, Jamie Lee Curtis, Kevin Klein, Michael Palin. Kind of like, you know, some of the Monty Pythons, but not all of them. Um, yeah. So, Timmer, what did A Fish Called Wanda make in 1988? 45.5. 45.5 5 million. Joey? 60. 60 million dollars. And Eric? 43 million. 43 million dollars. This one came in at 62 million dollars. Mm. Joey's going to take Joey that away. Good job, Joey. Good job, Joey. Joey. This has been the most wondrously fabulous game in the game. Yes, Good job, Joey. Thanks. Great job, me. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I was watch. I I was watching a fish called Wanda uh, for the first and only the, time. The movie or uh -huh. a fish? And I was I was really enjoying it, and then the DVD froze, mm. uh -huh. and I couldn't fucking watch the rest of the movie. Yeah. And it was terribly infuriating, and I'd like to watch the rest of that movie sometime. It's an inferior technology. Good story. Yeah. Thanks. Yep. Almost as good as the movie we watched. Speaking of good stories, I'm going to talk about the sound. The sound yeah. oh, was... that's our cue. Mm. Um, Jesus. GTFO. Oh. I don't even... I don't. I actually, I don't need anything. I right. can hang out. Yeah. I'm so yeah. excited. I also like the sound was pretty good in this one. So you said earlier that it was an ASMR film. Oh, yeah. Why'd absolutely. you say that? The... So the... the no, not even. It was. It wasn't that. It was. It was that there was a little gravel on the pavement. So like <laughs> this. Like the. And what I mean by that is that this. The texture of this film sonically was so rich, and like every scene had me wondering what I was supposed to be paying attention to, not through visual cues, but through sonic ones. Yeah. You know. So like, whose footsteps were important you right. know which character was right. important because of that and so on and so forth and so like the you know and there was a there was a, even one scene where we thought uh that 
the important footsteps were the main characters were Michelle's, but it turns out that they weren't. They were another character who was off screen. And it was, it was shown through that. Like you could like, if you watched it again, you could see that his footsteps were intentionally off cue. Okay. You know what I mean? I so think, it was just so well thought out. I, you know. I, I agree. I think Sean's going to say uh, a little critique about this. So, <laughs> Sean, what do you think about that specific scene? Yeah, that, that moment I would beg to differ on. Um, we didn't go back and rewatch it, but I'm pretty sure that the footsteps were just off because there were two distinctly separate sets of footstep sounds. So I think a good sound designing now would have a little bit easier time using reverb EQ and some panning to make a little bit more separate so there wasn't quite a confusion between them. Mm. But there was a slight difference in sound. And Derek kind of noticed this too as we were watching it, that they kind of have a different tone just timbre-wise, mm. yeah. which is cool. You know, two different shoes, whatever, two different guys. Um, but I think you're absolutely right, Tim, in that sound design can draw your eye and push perspective in ways that cameras sometimes can't. Yeah, I think it's really special. There's a great YouTube video on this, by the way, if you want to check it out, by Nerdwriter on the sound from Munich and how there's an entire scene which is completely driven by sound design, which forces you to pay attention to specific moments, even though it's not necessarily realistic, right? Maybe you don't hear that guy's footstep from this specific perspective, but we're, we're pushing it out in the mix because it's important for the story. Yeah. I think that's a really cool idea. Um, and again, this is 1959, and Robert Bresson is still killing it. And in doing sound. that, I don't think feels jarring to a viewer. You know, I think that's a way that you can kind of play with reality in a way that you know, like you can you can push something to the forefront without it being too gaudy on its surface. Or would you guys disagree with that? I no, think there's, I a, there's a line, but contemporarily, I would say it's the most natural and visceral way to get an audience's attention because that is just something we are used to in our millions of years of evolution. Like anytime a twig snaps, our head is going to turn in that direction to find out what the fuck is following us. Yeah, like, I agree. I think you're absolutely right. I think Brisson is a master of subtlety in many, many, many ways. But I think that using sound is the ultimate subtlety because it's all, not all, but a lot of it is subconscious mm -hmm. and cutting into the limbic system and the lizard yeah. brain and using all those ideas. Um, with that in mind, there was a lot of other interesting traditional things. There were, I thought there was some great music in general by J.B. Lully. There was a lot of these kind of beautiful Bach-esque kind of uh, arpeggios and scales going on, especially during the training montage, which I thought the, was kind of interesting. Did Sean, I, go ahead. I was just, the music was decent. It was just some of the transitions were jarring as fuck. So they'd be like sitting in a scene, just having a conversation in silence. And then all of a sudden you would like stand up, go to the door, and then the music would just kick in. Actually, and I agree with what you're saying. And let me tell you why I actually completely agree is that I think they use those same musical cues for when they had the training montage and other times where he was stealing. And to me, it was beauty. It was mm. like, this is the beauty of sleight of hand. Yeah, yeah. Even though obviously he's stealing shit, it, there's a certain art to it. Um, but then they used it for transitions. And I was like, why are you using the same music yeah. cue that we just had for beauty of stealing and theft and sleight of hand for a simple transition? Now it, it muddies the waters to me. And that kind of bugged me. And I think, I don't know, maybe that's why it kind of threw yeah, you, yeah. but it, it, it threw me for that reason. Uh, okay. Continuing sound. I thought the BG, the background was great. There's a lot of great background sounds, the train, you know, just the wall. Uh, what are you thinking, Sean? You're laughing at me. You can tell by the way I use my walk. I'm a woman's band on time to talk. Okay. You asked what I was thinking. <laughs> You're right. I did. <laughs> um, I think that the, 
something else that's really special is the Foley. You guys mentioned the footsteps, but there's a lot of other Foley sounds. Derek, you mentioned the Foley during a scene. I think he got cash from a bank teller. Yeah. Well, I mean, what's the? Why is he doing this? What's the what's crumpling his, of yeah. the money and all that kind of stuff? What, I don't do, know. I think it's to put us in that mind space of the character, right? Yeah. Like because. That's his goal, right? He's like hearing the, oh, the sound that the money makes crumpling and, you know, it is kind of like, like Tim said, ASMR in that regard, like to this, to our main character, this is like how he gets off basically. He's only self-actualized to the point where he can, he can only understand that money solves problem, you know, life equals problem and money equals solution. I think that's great. And I and think the get yeah. becomes a material. And the sound is forcing you to focus on that. Yes. You know? Yeah, exactly. Which yeah, is and wonderful. that's and that's why that money makes that noise, you know. Yeah, I think that's such a cool idea in general of using sound to kind of focus, but now we have that extra benefit of this thief is focused on money. Mm-hmm. And when you just have the sound of cash or the sound of the hand going in the wallet, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. it does it has that extra benefit of that's what a thief is obsessed with. You know, yeah. that's his addiction is. Th- and again, it could have been a little better, but it was very sexual. I mean, the times where he was kind of fondling the, <laughs> the nipple of yeah. the, of the yeah. buttons of the jacket yes. and penetrating the. It yeah. was so, yeah, it was so. The, the pockets. Pers- it was so personal. Oh. Like, I, I didn't. I would say less than sexual per se, it's personal. Absolutely. It's so personal. You know, I somebody's felt, touching your buttons, you know. It's so personal. Like, yeah. So personal. Fuck you, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> I think in many ways, Brisson has a hand fetish. Like, just like we say that Tarantino is a foot fetish. I think <laughs> mm. Brisson is a, not yeah. like a fetish, but and he doors loves. Too. He, he loves Yeah, doors. he does love a door. Yeah. Dude loves a door. I would door. say, I usually hate insert shots. I find insert shots in general to be kind of jarring and taking this me out of This guy could use some fucking inserts. I thought <laughs> Don't I liked watch his marriage ins- story, Sean. I liked his inserts. Is I thought they were inserts? really Some nice and all like inserts. no inserts in uh, the most that, glorious way. That that shot of the the fine like where he finally gets caught. That yeah. shot is just incredible. Where the where oh, hand goes fantastic. up, oh, that, that got and then me it goes so down, and then good. he grabs and because he hasn't yeah, quite grabbed it. He, he, yeah, well, he yeah. And the yeah. thing is, is it keeps you guessing until the very end what the hand is even gonna do. Yeah. Well, I, know I was steal something, right? Well, no, no, no. I thought the other hand was just going to grab his hand and like grab the money. You know, uh-huh. I wasn't expecting the handcuffs. Yeah, I don't know. It was just, it was yeah. a perfectly well done shot. No, that was yeah. cool. There were, there were a bunch of actually good inserts in this movie. The reason I said that there's lacking inserts is because there's a lot of moments in this scene, in this movie that the scenes don't make sense until you n- notice the one little thing. Like when the two partners get arrested, where yeah. Derek had to point out that there was handcuffs there and we had to go back and like uh, literally look at the handcuffs. It's, if you had thrown an insert, well, I think in it's also say, that we understood that the two characters behind them were cops. We were following the cops. I still I, will say yeah, there were enough quick, visual a, cues. Yeah, honestly, not for me, but you know, as a, I'm not as that a, smart. As a Brisson oh, fan, I will, I will say that I think he does these things better a little later. Right like on. I do think that because because Wait, when he, was man escaped? Fifty seven. Fifty seven. So he he did. I mean. He he likes to. Uh, he even talks about it. He always likes to be on 
the the thing that's very much like an action in the scene, right? Which is like hands, like uh, for instance, horses moving, like their feet yeah. galloping, things like that. He likes movement. Um, so I I think that that is like obviously like for him to like he. I think that the more Brisson moment to have of that, right, would be the cuffs going on the guys mm-hmm. at some point, and he yeah. oversees that or he hears it or something. So I do feel like it is kind of like a missing uh, moment, a, a, mi- a missing moment that that probably like it, you know I I think that if he did it later if on, he George Lucas's movies, he would yeah, go back and he add would it probably in, yeah he digitally would probably add digitally in some like that, yeah. <laughs> at least the sound of handcuffs going on. yeah definitely- yeah or a jingle or something you know <laughs> yeah. something. I got a lot of those vibes and we can talk more about this in the visual part, but I think mm. there, it felt like there was maybe something missing because of budgetary yeah, reasons. Yeah. Mm. It just maybe more difficult to shoot or just complicated or, you know, whatever. I mean, a couple of those worked out. Um, I'm going to just- Let's hold off. Oh, we'll okay. get to that in a second. I promise. Uh, <laughs> I, I just have one, Teaser one, for it. Sorry. I have one more question, actually. The VO. What, were you guys bothered by the slight VO, the voiceover in his head? Honestly, when I'm reading text anyways, it doesn't really- Oh, you're just saying the concept of like- Talking well, in their head? Well, in general, that's a good point too. I, that's another discussion. Or does it bother you when you're you're kind of constantly going back and forth between his narration and the movie? But I don't know. It kind of. It, I thought it was really smooth. Honestly, I usually don't like voiceover in oh, general. Yeah. I gotcha. find it to be very uh, expository, and in general, doesn't work for me. I just thought this one was nice. There was like a few lines that he added, uh, like just a little asides to himself, and it was a little bit. Uh, Windows into his character, where yeah. is instead of being more expository. That's why I, d- I dug the VO. I generally like VO. Um, I, you know, I, I'm not opposed to it, and especially in a movie like this, I think this movie is something that could have used a lot more fucking introspective VO. Like to me, that that was one of the big downfalls is that the acting didn't portray the ebbs and flows and the joys and the falls of like the thing that he was going through enough. So a little bit more of the VO of like, you know, maybe his inner monologue of like every time he stole something going into that rush, he felt a little bit and then like, you know, getting caught a little bit of that, like, you know, shame or something, but like he, I don't know. It was just kind of like watching a faceless robot. So yeah. I think there was one interesting technique and it didn't happen all the time through it, but that I think, uh, I think as an idea is like really good, which is that thing where, cause there were a few times like when we were watching it where, uh, there was some confusion over what, what happened in a scene. Mm-hmm. And then the voiceover almost immediately after this would kind of like give you a clue in and explain it if you had missed that kind sure. of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that that's, that's a good usage of VO in a way, right? Mm-hmm. Because obviously it's not interfering with the film. It's like giving that layer afterwards, like if you didn't, like where you kind of get his perspective and and in some cases necessary. I think in some, in some movies it's a little bit um, superfluous, but I think this one was, it was good. I think because of that, it also was an immersive film from his perspective. So whenever you get his personal asides, you know, his, his, his take on what just happened, it does kind of give you a little bit more 
empathy, sympathy kind of thing. What do you, what do you think? Is there a definitional diff or a, like a, um, a, a word difference between VO of exposition versus VO of someone emoting or going through thought process? Well, mm. not quite, but I do talk about this in some of my classes, just to simple difference between voiceover and narration, mm. where narration is generally a third party. Right, right telling you expository stuff where voiceover is definitely thought in your head. Voiceover is basically, it's a character in the film. If that character is in the film and they're talking, floating dialogue, it's yeah. VO. If, if they're it's not showing up, yeah, if it's not showing up in their narration, but that's it, not quite the same. I know. Right, right. Yeah. I'm, I just like, it, I never really thought too much about it, but just thinking about it now, I do think I feel differently about those two types of voiceover mm. in that, like, if it's, about the emotion, it, almost like if it's what we would feel that we don't normally get from a movie that we do get from a novel. So like in a novel, you uh -huh. can kind of be in someone's head yeah, yeah. and going through their thought process and understanding what they're doing. Whereas like if they're going through and using it as exposition and telling me the eight things that happened to get here, that feels like a waste of my time. And that you know, right. to me, like, I think those are just two separate uses. And I think this movie was a lot more of the... Um, you know, sort of explan explanation VO, then, yeah. I, I, yeah. I think there's both. There's a mixture. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just wasn't jarred by it, where, yeah. I, where I usually am. Right so I just wanted to kind of point yeah. that out to, in this sense. Well, and you guys kind of feel- Yeah, I mean, a lot, a lot of the narration was just him defending himself to us, yeah. which was necessary. Right. For us to accept his character, because like somebody had to be fighting for that dude, because yeah. he yeah. sucked. Yeah. You know, on purpose, but like you know, I so I think that the 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 voiceover was a necessary tool, yeah, to make this picture work. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think so too. All right, speaking of picture, Sean, mm -hmm. what did this thing look like? Hot garbage. No, it was all right. Um, <laughs> it was, um, you know, so one of the things that I was going to bring up earlier that it um, mentioned to me or that you guys mentioned was the um, uh, the idea of the, some of the shots, like the low budget thing. So the idea that um, like it, in the beginning, like I wasn't even sure that we were at a horse track because we right. didn't see the ubiquitous shots of the horses going into the gate and the track and all that stuff. Like, no, we we see everything from the perspective of only seeing the crowd watching the thing. Right. So, and that happens also in the funeral. So, like, there's this. It's almost like a conservation of space where you can't afford a big budget, but with a little bit of sound design and a good choice of framing and blocking you can believe that this little random white wall is a fucking racetrack where uh -huh. that could have been literally anywhere just but by the sounds that they put in we saw that or we felt that it was a racetrack by the fact that they're holding race forms and like you know the things that are happening around them and to me that was a a you know just really good example of um, you know, the way that you can do low budget and actually get away with things mm -hmm. and not call attention to the fact that you're not doing it and use this sort of limitation as almost, you know, a, a way to bring the art form further. Yeah. Or, yeah. You know. I agree. Yeah. Um, what do you think about some of the camera work? Uh, the Sean composite shot composition. <laughs> Sorry, it's tough to say. Um, you know, most of, I, I mean, none of it really stood out to me too much. Um, most of it was utilitarian for the most part. Um, I, I didn't feel that there was as much put into the artistry of the shots. Like, um, you know, there I was know, a I lot. I noticed a couple the, zooms. Did you notice any 
was a nice zoom when he zoomed in on like the newspaper. Oh yeah. A couple of those. Um, I mean, it was fine. I mean, it wasn't amazing. Yeah. It, it, it didn't really do anything other than, you know, bring your attention to it. And it didn't, I don't know. I, ju- it, I didn't feel like there was an overwhelming visual style to this movie that like, you know, screamed that it was his style. Um, especially having seen man escaped, um, that yeah. one was so much more visually stylized where this one just seemed to be, appropriately shot well let's talk about the actual theft scene mm-hmm. you kind of alluded to it earlier um obviously they're broken up into these kind of specific chunks and mm-hmm. these shots um tim what did you think of the way they did the theft scenes what did you think it was kind of i don't know action packed did you think it was w- well paced i don't know how did you how did you view it um I, I i think i have a little more patience than the average viewer <laughs> certainly than me when it, yeah certainly than you guys but like you know like just just to your average like you know i've especially in the last year doing these podcasts and so on and so forth we've watched a lot of films that has kind of great in my uh <laughs> like you know i've got a lot more patience but uh so i was excited by that stuff because it really focuses on the artistry of theft and it makes it into a performance piece. Yeah. And so that's exciting. You know, that's fun to watch. It's fun to see the risk. It's, it's fun to, see, you know, so, I, so I liked it. I, yeah, I, I agree. I think see, I, Oh, go ahead, Sean. I was just going to say, I, I love that aspect of movies, mm-hmm. but I've seen that done so much better and more compelling in yes. a number of other movies, mostly David Mamet movies. Like, um, I, yeah. yeah. I, I'm sorry, what can you name it? I don't know uh, any. Spanish Prisoner is a good one. Um, uh, I think it's just Heist, another David Mamet movie. Um, there's the the fat magician guy that's always yeah. in the Mamet movies. That is Ricky just, J. Yeah, Ricky J. Unfortunately, yeah. passed recently. Um, but, you know, he, He's got, uh, was it Heart Eight as well? He's got just scenes in almost like every movie that he's in where he's like doing that sleight of hand shit and he just does it so much more, I guess, charismatically than it was done in this movie. It felt very, uh, all of the shots felt very uh, forced yeah. in a good way though. Actually, I did like it because it was almost like watching a slow motion replay of of the theft yeah. in different, like almost like a Rashomon style. This is the angle, this angle, this angle. And it was a little slower than probably you would expect yeah. it to be, but I kind of liked it. It was just breaking it down into its parts. It was, you know, uh, deconstructing it, if you will. The speed of it varied too. So yeah. like the, yeah. one that is yeah, the, the one that is the slowest Right is when uh, that one guy gets away from him, and his friend then goes to steal the wallet from the guy getting in the taxi. Oh, right. That one's very slow, yeah, right? right? Yeah. That one. So, so that one, I think, since that's one of the first ones that we kind of see at this like scale to where they're showing us every little step yeah. away. Uh, because because the ones that they have before, there's not really any issue with like the the folding up the newspaper thing. Yeah. Like that's kind of almost real speed, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, so well, I think, I think that because that leads the other ones, then we, we tend to kind of notice that, that it's kind of slowed down and not approaching. I mean, it, it, it doesn't approach realism, right? So it's it okay, has to though. be for like, it has to be for the purpose of us like getting across, uh, some idea of the talent or some idea of the skill or what they're doing. And, uh, that it's like a dance, right? Yeah. That it's essentially kind of like a dance, and that that one that I, I think that middle scene is is one of my favorite scenes uh, where they're at the um, train station. Yeah, that's that that whole sequence is just really well done. 
with the guy that maybe maybe you didn't like that's another good use of voiceover too right mm-hmm. there right because the cop comes in and he's like he's like I should have recognized him, you know. I I'd seen him before. I should have recognized him. And if we had we were watching this for the first time and maybe we didn't catch the guy come in earlier or right. make eye contact with him and don't know it's a police officer, that clues us in that it probably is, yeah. right? That gives us an idea of that. Also his paranoia. Yeah. Um most most of what so it's the same as before. So most of what he shoots with is a 50 millimeter lens. Mm. Uh, like you said, there, there were some, I didn't notice some zooms though. So he, obviously they did swap lens at some point, which <laughs> is a rare thing in a Brisson film to do. Um, but his, his concept is to not change your, your, you wouldn't change your eyes for instance. Right. Yeah. So why would you do this artificial kind of thing of changing lenses? I really like love that, him. You know? I just, I don't know why there's something about him. Well, that, that worked on the 50. There's a new Terrence yeah. Malick movie, I think coming out where they do mm-hmm. that same thing. Like the whole movie is shot on like, I think it's like a, 16 or something it's like it a kind super of really wide makes lens. sense in some regards for if for sometimes you don't have yeah. to always be like you Just, know the super wide is a little bit jarring but yeah. this one i i wasn't as jarred as again because i think the 50 just feels more natural and normal to to see through so like yeah. even if you're really close or really far and i'm 50 you still feel like you, you know you normally see things and i think joey may like it because it's kind of brisson's doing kind of he's a little bit punk right so <laughs> like sure Everybody else is is making movies around him and he's just plogging yes. along and he's doing these things based upon his own like his own style, mm-hmm. his own thought processes and he's and he's doing that and he's kind of in a way probably isolated like the character in this film. You know, like we saw that interview with him, right? Where he ends. <laughs> where he's and being attacked by two. He's being attacked by two people. And, and it ends with them saying like, uh, do you feel lonely? And he's like, yes, I feel lonely. And I don't get any, like, I don't get any comfort from I that. Get no respect. So. I, I, you're absolutely right. I respect the fuck out of him because <laughs> yeah. he, he plows along. He does what he wants to do. And he's like, I'm going to make an immersive film. Fuck you about lenses. They all, you know, 50 millimeters is what your eyes look like. That's how I immerse you. I'm going to make all the sound completely immersive. That's my vision. It's going to happen. And he's plowing ahead and does it. And I have such respect for it. And even if it does get boring, I, I, get why he's trying to show that solitude, how boring it is sometimes. And I think that all of it is immersive. You know, even if you think like, why is he doing this? Why is he doing it? There's a reason. I think Derek even pointed out during this movie, we were like, wait, what's going on? Derek's like, Prasan has a reason for everything. That that was one thing where like things do pay off in this movie. So everything that you think is just stupid or inane actually does end up paying off if you hold on for a few seconds. Um, It's again, it's just most of it, doesn't just doesn't have the emotional resonance. I think especially because we've we watched a man escaped. Yeah. And like we saw like how much power and control he can have in a story like that. Because a man escaped was essentially a very similar sort of situation where you have this man that's like isolated and trying to like do you know accomplish this thing. But it just I of Man Escaped was just so much more visceral in its accomplishment yeah. of what it did. It is. It's a very different movie. Um I like both. I really do. I don't, I don't. Well, let's not talk about which one we like better yet, because we can kind of talk about that later. Um, but let's uh, let's do a little cast of today, guys, because Uh-oh. we kind of missed it when we were talking about the characters earlier. But I think it'd be nice to kind of, you know, go through that. Did uh, Sean? 
Did you have uh, someone to play me shell? Um, I can never remember his name, but the guy that plays Phil Dunphy um, on... Uh, Ty Burrell. Oh, Ty Burrell. Yeah. Um, Interesting. It, mostly the look. Um, like, whoever plays this character just kind of has to have, like, Asperger's and, like, not emote at all. So that's kind of a weird... I don't think you need to. I got a lot of emoting from him. Mm. I got him, like, I, I see him more as, like, a Paul Dano, you know? I don't know what that means. The Paul Dana from uh, There Will Be Blood. He's the reverend. Oh, if you've many seen other films as well. Uh, I thought Ewan McGregor would be a cool little guy. No? Mm. Ewan McGregor? Yeah, sure, he'd I mean, be fine. He'd be interesting. I don't really... I, I've not seen a whole lot of like... Ah! spotting. It's so easy to... It's so easy to play a junkie. It's not hard. <laughs> I about Michael Sarah for like uh that actually be quite interesting. Yeah, cuz see like I'm, I'm latching on to the much more meek aspect of his character cuz okay. he was very meek, you yeah, know. Yeah. He was very Plus he's small in a huge in suit. suit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the big suit. Well, yeah. but you know, that's you know, another thing that was in terribly intentional, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh maybe but, it's uh, a hand-me-down. Yeah, so DJ like Qualls. That's DJ it. Qualls. Yeah. I rest pick. my fucking Man, case. We are trying to get so Wonderful. many movies made with DJ Qualls on this podcast. This is the second times. Is it the second one? Yeah. I was like proud yeah. of that because I thought I was the first person <laughs> to remember who This is DJ the most Qu time DJ Qualls' name has been said in public for DJ 30 years. DJ Qualls, man. 20 years, maybe. I bet he's cool in person. I bet he, he is. great. DJ Qualls, come on our podcast. Yeah, really. DJ's Guest. a listener. Pick you know, your movie. Him and Glenn. <laughs> Close. And Olivia know? de Havilland. Yes, and Olivia de Havilland. Olivia. Of course. Yeah, of course. Uh, but, uh, okay, let's move on to Marika Green for G Jean. Who, uh, who would we pick for her? Uh, you got a pick for her? Uh, Franca Potente. I think she's a Natalie Portman. She's Or, yeah. She looks a lot like her. Naomi Watts. Mm. It's a very meek character, right? Yeah. Just about any starlet in Hollywood could be filling that space. Yeah, but it's got to be a... Uh, there was nothing special about who, this character that like was requiring of any specific skills. And what's interesting you say that, Sean, is that I didn't know this term, and I probably should, which is ingenue, mm -hmm. which is a stock character for this type of role. Yeah. Yeah. And she's supposed to be kind of generic and yeah. stock. I didn't yeah. I didn't know about that history of it, but it's interesting that she is that Amanda Seafried. Okay. Got the girl next door kind of yeah. Just yeah, like the kind of the kind of character that you can see like at the bottom of a flight of stairs. The if fuck? that makes sense. Standing. You've got some issues, man. See it. Okay, bottom. that that all right. So the image didn't translate. <laughs> I want I want to help. I really want to help. I just there's no saving that, yeah. man. You're at the bottom of the stairwell, and I want. She's wanna, at the bottom of a stairwell, like near a doorway. Because you pushed her, looking small. No, is it the implication? No, she has not fallen. <laughs> she was she was never in any danger. Okay. I assume it's the implication. No, no. There's not even an implication of danger. She's at the bottom of the... She was always at the bottom of the stairs. Why? What is she this? She can't get up the stairs. <laughs> okay. It's a weird misery uh, That's where have. the doors are. Are you the hobbling your women the and keeping the them in the basement? I'm, I don't know. I'm just like, at this point, I'm just going as far as I can with it. Okay. Uh, Derek, do you have any picks for our ingenue? No. 
Amanda Seyfried. Thanks, Derek. <laughs> I'm not, like, I don't know. I mean, I, Aubrey I think, Plaza. What about I think, Dame Judy Dench? Jesus. Judy Dench. Yeah, why not? <laughs> maybe a little old. That's maybe for the mom. <laughs> Especially, yeah, when she has the kid. <laughs> yeah. With little baby. <laughs> But then you get that great moment where uh, where Michael Sarah gets to say, "Is this your like great grandkid?" <laughs> like, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. <laughs> She's like, "I thought I was too old. I guess yeah. not." Yeah. You know, you could get just him, took the right kind of man. Yeah, get him, get him checking a baby's toes for webs or something. Yeah, happy Festivus. Yeah. So Jacques ended up being a butthole, right? Because he like Awful. just left her straight Deadbeat. up dip, right? Straight yeah. up dipped. So I'm just going to play Jacques. Mm. Mm. I got yeah. I did not get that impression. Josh no? Dumel. I got the impression that she dumped his ass. Oh. She didn't she said she wasn't in love oh, with him. Oh, she didn't love him. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah you're right. Yeah, yeah you're accurate. No, yeah. she wouldn't marry him. That's yeah, what because it was. she didn't love she him. Wouldn't and marry it wasn't fair to marry yeah. someone yeah. she didn't yeah, like, love. So then he Maybe said, I'm not gonna stick it out. Come on. No, I don't think it was with that girl. Stick it out. I don't think it was his decision. Stick it out. No. You don't get to if a woman tells live you you have to door. leave, you Derek, leave. Dude. Live no, next door. Move no next door. Okay. No. Okay. Let's calm down, Jesus, guys. Derek. Stay at the top of the stairs while she's exactly. at the bottom. Yes. <laughs> Don't let her up the stairs. Here's one That's thing, why. Know. <laughs> you gotta find yourself a woman at the bottom of the stairs, and then you're where. Well, you're at the top. You're at the top of the stairs. You're always at the top. Yeah. Are you throwing? Are you, that's where the, yep, you're, what, are, what are you doing up there? Controlling access. <laughs> Peeing on her. Whoa. What? <laughs> I'm, I'm not you, him. Oh. He said I mean, peeing on her. At this point, like, are you surprised? <laughs> nah, right. it's, uh, yeah, the joke's going on long enough, so we can, yeah. we can bring out the pee. <laughs> Bring out the pee, guys. Right. Bring out the pee. Any yeah. other disgusting jokes you guys want to say? I believe I can play. Uh, I'm still working on Jacques. I'm trying to figure out a Jacques. Yeah. Um, Matt Damon. I got like 59 jokes. Oh, Matt jokes Damon in my would be perfect. I'm like, dude, yeah. white dude. I was yeah. thinking of Eric Bana. Yeah, same difference. Yeah. yeah. Eric Bana? Yeah. Matt yeah. Damon, but we add in okay. a scene as, where, as whom? Oh, it's Jacques. Jacques. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. We add in a scene where he goes, why don't you love me? There you go. Yeah. 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 You like them apples? I, I think I think he could win an Oscar. <laughs> 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 for this. For this. He's already got one. Yeah. What's for, he got for, for writing. Oh, yeah. yeah. What about like Doesn't Michael really Gambon? Actually, yeah. I don't know. Did Jacques. he get the bottom half or the top half of well, the like, Oscar? Well, they should both have to give it to the guy who actually wrote it. Roy yeah, Schneider. Yeah. I want to get back to something about the visuals uh -huh. um, and the editing. Roy Scheider, Basically, we didn't talk about the editing. And there's a lot of those fades. Cut, you talk, cut, you talk. Oh. Cut, 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 cut. <laughs> My God. This moves fast. Like Sean said it kind of earlier, like this, this doesn't fuck around this movie. No. And... <laughs> What's up, Sean? So when I say it doesn't fuck around, I mean, it jumps from moment to moment yeah. or scene to scene, but then we stay in scenes for very long. Right. There's a weird pacing issue to so me. So I, I think that's the thing is that it cuts the action a lot of times. Yeah. You yeah. Know, it cuts around a few moments where he steals something. We see yeah. the aftermath of it. Life is urgently mundane. Do you agree with that? Do you agree with that, Sean? <laughs> it's just. We're always profound in a, drivel. No, we're just always in a hurry to be bored. That is the Western existence. Well, why is Brisson obsessed with those those moments, Tim? Why? Well, yeah. Why show those moments of boredom rather than the action-packed moments? 
Honestly, it's a, it's a subjective thing for him as an artist. I think that he just found real beauty in how mundane life is or the mundane aspects of life and found that to be much more interesting than the theatrical stuff that he saw everybody else paying attention to. And so his So he's kind of reactionary. His in that films sense? are a reaction to the world that he sees. Yeah. It feels like I don't he's, know. Or oh, I ahead. see him as that. Do you do you agree? Do you do you find more beauty in the mundane moments? I do, yeah. 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 I, I, I don't find beauty. Like I always, I always say that I find beauty in trash less than mundane moments, but like mm-hmm. it kind of, it comes from a similar, uh, like impetus, I guess. What do you well, mean? Why do you say that? Cause I was going to bring up that. I think American beauty did this whole feeling better and better. Yeah. Wow. And, to, I know you guys hate like you related more to it. I mean, the, yeah, the it plastic was, bag it, yeah, is beautiful. Yeah, like the main un- character, and you had a lot more. Oh, <laughs> that's <not> nice. <laughs> uh, it depends on who we're calling yeah. the main character, but you know, there's a lot of ways that can go. Oh, he's uh, um, Chris Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! I don't yeah, know. You, you know <sighs> Thora Birch. <laughs> Well, Sean, what did you mean by more what, what, leap, what did you mean by that though? American Beauty, the bag, what, what? Um, just that, like you know, the 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 beauty in the the mundane, the beauty in the trash, the beauty in the the little moments, and the you know stopping to smell the roses, sort of thing. And again, I just I just don't feel like it was quite accomplished in this movie. Um, I felt like there was yeah, just a, a, a it was close, but a swing and a miss. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I also want to talk about a little of the philosophy of some of this movie. Um, stealing, theft, you know, mm. he mentions- Only okay a, if you steal from Walmart. He mentions, obviously, the Superman thing, that certain people don't have to follow the rules. And then he gets pushed back on that by, I forget the guy's name. Basically, who gets to decide which are those people? And he- as the people know, like those people self-selecting, mm-hmm. self-selecting. Yeah. How do you guys feel about that? Is that all? Is that delusionary bullshit? Is that? Well, he he it's says true. he says well, that everybody thinks they're exceptional. Like he, that was kind great. of his, his thing. Yeah. He says yeah. he says, don't you think that everybody believes themselves exceptional? And so, and so yeah. I mean, it's you know, we're it's just being point. presented with two things that people actually believe. Yeah. You know, yeah. one of which more of us might agree with, but you know, if you, there's like actual precedent for crime where people just did things because they felt that they well, were above. Yeah, because yeah, I mean... those Are, are we thinking of the same thing? We're probably those two, going those the same way. Those two kids in Chicago that just killed uh, some other kid, they kidnapped and killed a kid just to see if they could get away with it because they viewed themselves as so smart that they were above the law and therefore weren't morally beholden to it. Yeah. So and and, you know. and I think I think even in other situations there's such as that. And that was think, early on enough and widely publicized enough that Brisson would have been aware of that story, I think. Yeah. When's yeah. that I didn't oh, know that was a, a, I thought you were talking about something recently. Yeah, like, when uh, is it when was no, that? No, 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 late teens, early twenties, uh, Chicago. Yeah. I think. Okay. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um I mean I'm sure that happens just about every decade. But there's least. a specific yeah, yeah. case of these two kids. I think we also have a lot of like people who are doing crimes, right? Who are like in power in situations now. And oh, today, you know, this 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 day and age, yes, this is they're the doing accepted current and celebrated crimes, norm. Yes, and and they view themselves as superior, and that's why they think they should be able to do those kinds Our of things sus- because they have they have other 
they have other points of value yeah. for which they think yeah uh, they answer they to should, a different authority yeah, they yeah. answer to a totally different authority well in yeah. our society or no authority at all their own our society yeah. objectively supports that you yeah, know you can get away with whatever you can get away with yeah and that's the rule well, i think that's that what is. literally the impeachment is about uh, i think derek's alluding around to it but yeah you're saying is someone above the law or not I think, so I'm so out of touch with that. No, I, I mean, you, we can argue about the specifics here for sure, Sean. I think you might want yeah. to. But in general, that's what impeachment is. In yeah. oh, I was just assuming Derek wasn't talking about that. I was talking. Oh, you're saying I'm, I'm modern talking, current events. I, what else is I'm he talking about? Purposefully, exactly. <laughs> I'm being purposefully vague. Yeah, I know that. But I, I'm trying to put a point. I, I think, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that that too, yeah. Um, but I also believe that that even the people who we have not caught, right, sure. are doing these kinds of Pizza things. Gate. I believe that there are situations. <laughs> I believe that the. Uh. I believe that that there are real things too going on uh, that people people are haven't been caught for, but they are. They're currently, and I. I mean, I'm trying to think of an example. An example is like this thing that just people just happen to catch like uh, Lori Laughlin and all this group, mm-hmm. yeah, like basically cheating, sure. basically cheating the system because they are currently, they, they are celebrities, they have money, they feel like they're above the law. So they should be able to do these kinds of things, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They should be able to rig these systems for themselves. You yeah, know, but they're that, superior. And until I, the lens of the public gets trained on that, that is true. Well, yeah. that, that is also the history of America and the history of filmmaking. Like the re, a big part of the reason Hollywood exists in Hollywood is because they were trying to not pay Edison for all of his royalties yeah. and all the shit that he was doing yeah. in New York. So it's, you know, just trying to. It's a, it's a continual system. And it it's is. like you, you, you break it. You, Again, though, I think there should always be opposition to at least some of the way those systems work. Uh, you know, how do you mean? I I just mean that I mean that like such as in the movie, right? We there is an op- opposing force to him. There the, is a guy, the police. The police. <laughs> but I mean, not just the police. It's represented by a single individual, right? Yeah. We have this inspector who is also kind of like. He feels bad that he didn't do the right thing before. Sure. Like he didn't, he didn't arrest him. He let him go initially, right? So he feels bad about that, and he feels kind of guilty for mm-hmm. allowing this guy to continue. And so there is kind of like, I, I think Brisson purposefully puts in that guy as kind of being a moral character, yeah. right? Mm. To be opposite to our other guy who doesn't really necessarily believe in morals, uh. And, and I mean, even by the end, I don't know if, I, what do you guys think? You think he's going to be a moral character now or is he? Yeah. I, you guys were saying that like he was going to turn around at the end and I never got that impression. I got the impression that he found his, his lady, but that yeah. didn't necessarily do anything to quash well, his he, he, he desire not- for thievery. He has something to live for now, yeah. I think. And that's that's the difference. That's the implication, certainly. Mm, right? He has no connections before. He's well, got no no care. I, I just I, Nothing in the movie alludes one way or the other. Just my knowledge of humans and how they work leads the, me to believe that there is nothing that is going to change. 
So you're the, a nihilist. I love the it. The characters in this, <laughs> the characters in this movie, though, they're not really characters in the way that we generally think yeah, yeah. of characters. They're representations Avatars. of ideologies, yeah. right? Yeah. So in in that vein, then his character is a person who views themselves as like intellectually superior and is is like no longer going to be prey. So he chooses to be a predator. You know what I mean? So that won't change about him. And so every scene that he's in, he's just an ideology that's conflicting with another ideology, which can get boring at times, which I think is what, you know, the parts of the film that drag for you guys. Cause that's, you know, what, Joanne is an ideology that, that, you know, you don't, you don't, stop anything but you don't cause anything you know what i mean okay like the peaceful bystander whereas, yeah, yeah, yeah i mean that's what the an inspector is. the inspector is that you know he's the he's the lawful good you sure. know instead of a lawful neutral let me ask you this tim if uh if we, there, we were to make a fan fiction a sequel to this movie and we have now he's in jail hmm. would our main character michelle would he steal in jail no because the he, man escaped <laughs> That's what I thought. I was like, I was like, are we in the same universe? I was, yeah, I was, the I was kind of looking the for yeah, yeah, the Brissonaverse. I think we should make a Brissonaverse. The Brissonification. Yeah. All right. Well, I do think it's he, when you take all the characteristics <laughs> out of something, you Brissonify it. <laughs> take all humanity and break everything down to its yes. base but ideology. Base. I think it'd be interesting <laughs> yes. if we if we have if we continue where he's going. He continues his addiction in jail, but he gives the money to Jean. I think he would probably understand that uh, society. A little more easily because jail is a much more primitive place, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like mm -hmm. you just, I, I, I looked at this film and so like this film is, is it's a Brisson film. So it's, it is on its, you know, you expect it to be philosophical and you go into it thinking of that stuff. And so a lot of this film I spent thinking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and about where each character would fall on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And he's probably on a lower level than any other character yeah. in this film because what all is he's this, uh, hierarchy. So uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So this, uh, this feller Maslow uh, was a doctor, uh, a sociologist, and he theorized that people have, people evolve on a hierarchy of needs. So if this, if a need is met, then you can worry about B need. Okay. And only when B need gets satisfied mm -hmm. can C need become an issue, you know, okay. leading from food and shelter to self-actualization and, and worrying about like your very soul. Gotcha. You know so what I mean? You're saying he's never going to get past the first threshold. Of he like just hasn't gotten past yeah. that. Okay. And that's where his character is, mm -hmm. is he's, always looking for the grift because that's all he can understand food food and yeah, shelter. that's the addict right, brain food, that's all warm. that is and that is know. that it, it is the addict brain it is. absolutely it's, i need that next fix i need yeah. The, yeah yeah it totally is yeah and that and that that constant stress of that keeps you from be from having the ability to worry about or wonder about anything else or have any long-term perspective on anything exactly yeah. and so, so yeah oh. i thought about that a lot i to answer your earlier question, I i mean, he most likely would learn to be a better criminal in jail. I think, I think he that's would, your own little... No. <laughs> no taking no. your own little bias. He's, no. a, he's an Ellis Redding. You know what I mean? I don't know what nope. you mean. Okay. Who's yeah. Ellis Redding? <laughs> Shawshank. Oh. Who, which Red? one's Ellis? 
He was, oh, Red. Oh, yeah, he's an, he's an Alice Redding. He just doesn't, you know, like he doesn't like he he understands things that that work in like um like a more immediate environment, but like in a in a civilized world, he wasn't he doesn't quite fit. Yeah, okay. he might actually function mm. better in jail. Exactly, than, yeah. and so like that's why I don't think he would hone his craft. He would probably just like find his niche, mm. maybe. yeah, you know, and become necessary in some way and start deriving his his like um, self worth from that instead of from what he can get. Hmm. Would he still uh, be in a relationship with Jean? Um, while he's in jail, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think a person that's on that sort of that's in that sort of mindset can care about anybody past what they're able to provide for them. Yeah, that relationship lasts as long as she wants it to, as much as no, no, no. It did that before. relationship lasts as long as he has no options. Right, right. The, well, yeah. I mean, as far as him, as being long in jail, as she's yeah. providing something that yeah, he can't yeah. get elsewhere, she is absolutely necessary yeah, to yeah. him, and he's not ever going to be able to understand that. So, mm. if he wasn't arrested at the end, you think would he be together with Jean? Probably not. No. So it took him his fall from grace to kind of uh, maybe see, see the light. Maybe I don't know because I'm also like you know I, I wonder if I'm I wonder what I'm projecting there because <laughs> uh, there was that scene initially where he was uh, where he goes into the empty quote unquote apartment and we see that he's sitting in front of this baby after all he tries to say I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna get a straight job and I'm gonna he do does this for a little bit and then I'm gonna come back and we're gonna slam ass and be a family and I don't think he had that part at the yeah, end yeah not exactly I, but yeah that's a paraphrase <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> I remember reading something about slamming ass. Yeah, I thought. You guys don't remember the slamming ass part? No, I think that might have been a translation issue. Okay, yeah, probably. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, projection. Yeah, you know what? You know, maybe I am just projecting an ass slam. Mm. Mm. Hmm. Hmm. One thing I found interesting watching this movie is that uh, I really don't think. Well, in California, it could not be made again today. Um. Why? I uh, so you guys are aware of the law changes within the last couple of years here. So basically, they have made it so that any petty crimes or petty theft under like nine hundred dollars is not prosecutable at all. So there is a basically, if you were to try and do this in California today, there would be no police stopping any of this happening. Wait, uh, is it one? I, but, but he took more than nine. Right, but it's bucks. per incident. Per so incident? each time you, you know, each time I you rip see. someone's wallet, a bunch wait, of little tiny theft. So yeah. you can just go. I, I little spree. So so you can just go around and just jack people's shit with pretty much impunity in California right impunity now. From is as long as it's under nine hundred dollars worth of value, and there is no like threat of violence or anything like that. Yeah. I'd be interested to talk with a cop about that. I, apparently it just has to do with, I think it was part of a Just from an enforcement side to yeah, see yeah. how that, you know, cause there's the, the, the they can't, well, uh, they one, can't have like, just a, like that, that, that undermines the entire reason police exist. Well, the, no, no. The whole thing is they just don't have the manpower to go to Walmart every time someone steals a pack of gum. So oh, it's, when it comes you know, to that stuff, okay. Oh, I thought you meant they won't prosecute, but they'll arrest. No, no, they won't do anything. They, they, won't, they won't even show up. So it's just about putting the people on violent crimes and other things 
because the either well both so the manpower like pocketing and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean if it is a crime, if you get your laptop stolen and you call the police, they will tell you to file a report and then you will never hear anything. So there is, it you might know, even be I mean, a more yeah. interesting version of pickpocket then, right? In which there's no like, ramification. There's no ramifications. <laughs> that yeah. would be so what would kind be interesting of, actually. Yeah. You know, yeah. What kind of and in in the spirit of Brisson, because I mean yeah. you know it's just a reaction to the times. That's true. Yeah. It would become a much more yeah, a, it could be a deep psychological sort of um, mm-hmm. delve into what you become when there is no right. pushback. Right. Yeah. And the morality of it yeah. too, right? Is is there a grander moral yeah. scheme? Yeah. If there Does morality exist if it's not being enforced? Exactly. Yeah. 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 Does it? Um, yeah. It's a pretty deep <laughs> one. Well, we don't have to dive completely well, in. But. morality, morals and laws are two completely separate things. And what is moral isn't always legal, and what is legal isn't always moral. Hmm. True. Um, have you guys, I don't want to ask this question because we're on <laughs> recording. Have you guys ever stolen anything? I played the fifth. Uh, you know what? You don't have to answer. No, I think I will. I think I All will. All right, okay. go for it. I stole for the first time. I will time. once again remind you that this is on the internet forever. <laughs> about and a, I do not edit. About a year ago, <laughs> I stole firewood. You for son the, of a bitch. I stole firewood from for the where? first time. From the, okay, don't say where. From what? a store, from a person, or what? From a store. Okay. Oh, wow. So I, do you think it's... Okay, hold on. Let me just dive into there for a quick it's second. It's under $900. Yeah. So he's Is okay. it more moral to steal from a big store than a person? <laughs> would you? I, would that be better than stealing from wood firewood from a guy's backyard? Yes. Why? Because, um, it, you know, honestly, like, there is there is a specific victim... In either case, but I'm not taking wood from somebody who's going to use it to get warm. I'm taking wood from somebody who's using it to make money. Okay. Um, I don't know. I was just really cold, man. I was in Minnesota. I didn't, you know, I wasn't home. Oh, then in Minnesota, you might be prosecuted. Oh, maybe. Yeah. So you needed it. Yeah, I just needed firewood. I needed firewood real bad because it was fucking cold. There was nowhere else in Minnesota that there was wood. It was like a block away from where I was sleeping, and I needed firewood. In that sense, was Michelle justified to steal? Uh, no. Did he need it? No. There was never any justification. There, there was never any need no. shown I think, for him. Well, yeah. maybe he was starving. Because that's what it was never shown though. Because what never, I did was wrong well, too. It's just that I, you know, like it, there, there's a justification for anything if you want there to be. Yeah. You know. Mm. Are you a Superman? What? Are you allowed to be above the law? No, I straight up almost got caught and I was terrified. <laughs> I just really wanted to be not cold. Mm. That's understandable. Yeah. I mean, there there is something, is some logic in the it's only wrong if you get caught sort of ideology. Yeah. Um, there, you know. No, it's wrong anyways. It's just a dog eat dog world. And, yeah. and at one point or another, you get tired of getting eaten. I get it. I'd really like to end on that, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I have had something almost stolen, like my backpack in Santiago. Mm. uh, Like off your body? Like, no. So I was in a restaurant and it was sitting next to me and and it was a group of basically four. Mm -hmm. So it was two couples. Uh, One of them came in and sat down at another table. The other couple one of them sat down and then the guy stood up and was like kind of over here looking like next to me looking at it like a salad bar kind of thing but he was taking an 
like a really long time to look at what amounts to like oil and lemon and, you know, Mm -hmm. salad, sure, which is not that interesting. So, um, I kind of, I I was kind of like paying attention, but I wasn't, I didn't think that it it was like thieves and stuff because they were fairly well dressed and you wouldn't think like four people, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but I caught him like, Picking up my my backpack because my backpack had like a like a I think I had a 17 inch like laptop in there at the time so mm. that thing was heavy yeah. you could not lift that thing <laughs> yeah. with all the stuff inside of it easily so I saw him struggling to pick <laughs> it up and I'm I'm like I'm like yeah no you know yeah and uh, so you just pulled it back yeah and he said sorry 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 and he put it back because obviously like I mean. That's probably scary to them because it, it, for instance, in any situation in which they're seen doing it, they get terrified, right? right. Because mm-hmm. they don't know what's going to happen. All four of them are inside this restaurant, right? Uh, all it takes is somebody to like block that door and they're not getting out. Did he know? run away? Uh, they, they got in, yeah, so they got in a, so after this and it, it, you know, it's kind of like one of those things where like it occurs to me afterwards. I, I'm just thinking that the guy's like some weirdo or whatever, you know? Uh, but it occurs to me after because, uh, somebody came down and, and said that they were, uh, somebody had stole, one of them had stolen something from the people next door and they had hopped in a car and like drove off. So by the time the cops would have got there, it wouldn't, wouldn't have mattered, but that kind of thing tends to happen a lot in that certain area and it's it's usually it's it's the poorer people there in in yeah. Chile who are who are stealing from what is a touristy area right uh it's a similar thing and of course Spain you know is, is well known for having a lot of pickpockets still well, I mean, active from that perspective like oh i i've heard many times that all americans are rich so, you know, to me, from that perspective, that's not much different than us yeah, stealing from Walmart. Not, like, yeah, you know, it's if, not <laughs> for, from their, from the basis of that ideology. Yeah. Because also to the, the fact that it's kind of one of those things where like, uh, the fact that I am there usually means that I'm at least wealthy enough to travel. Yeah. Right. And you're also a fish out of water. Yeah. I'm a fish out of water. You know, I, I. Yeah, so I'm also an easy target, I guess mm-hmm. you could say. Um, and you're also here to pillage my homeland. <laughs> yeah. So I got pickpocketed in France, actually, in, in fact, in Paris, ironically. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't a big deal. Um, I lost, I think, you know, a couple, yeah, you know, some cash and whatever. One, one of my IDs, I had like, I had like one of those. I was traveling Europe, so I had one of the straps around my body, mm-hmm. like my yeah. mom nerdy told the me money to. Belt. Yeah, the money yeah. Belt. so that Wait, actually did kind of help me out. Really? Yeah. yeah. The under the shirt thing. I know. After I got mugged, like I got mugged three times in one month <laughs> once, and my dad bought me one of those. And he, my like, mom bought me one, and he, I wore it. He expected it. me to wear it, and I told him, it's just like, you, you, no fucking way, dude. Well, I was like, young. I was like, I don't care. a brassiere. <laughs> like, <laughs> but well, when you only have $30 to your name, like, there's not going to be much I guess, yeah. yeah. It's also, yeah, like, fuck you, yeah. kill me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, like, you know, if, you, if you're if you wandering around with a couple of thousand dollars cash on you, fair, it fair. it certainly makes sense to and put if it you're in something. And tra- if you're traveling exactly. like that, you're very far from home. Right, you're, you right. know, Yeah. Yeah. 
That, I just think pick, pickpocketing and theft is something we don't deal with on a daily basis yeah. here in the U.S. Um, yeah. And not only that, the punishment for it is much different around the world, right? If you get caught for theft in Saudi Arabia, it's a big deal, yeah. right? If you yeah. get caught for theft in Singapore, it's a big deal. You get caned, you know? Yeah. I was watching a video on how they handle it in China, and literally people would commit crimes blatantly in front of hundreds of other people, and everyone literally just ignores it and keeps on walking. There was some sort of Chinese saying, I can't remember what it was, but it was like, it translates to like, you know, mind your own business or something like that. But America kind of thing. Something like that. But yeah, like, you know, people would literally just get held up in front of everyone and no one would do anything or stop mm. them or call the cops. And, you know, people just go on about their business. Uh. It's almost a herd mentality, yeah. you know, and, mm. and uh, the pickpockets are picking on some of the weakest. You know? Honestly, it's crazy what people won't do yeah. when they're seeing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, like I've seen some, like they're, they're like, I haven't seen, but I've, I've like heard of my, my, a friend of mine in Chicago saw a brutal, bloody guy got like, just absolutely almost killed on the train mm. assault. And everybody on the train car just watched. Not a single person stepped in. Yep. I also you wanted know. to bring that up too. Cause I noticed that a lot of train scenes in this movie thing. were similar in that, um, People were minding their own business. There's there's loud noises. But People no one was obviously noticing. In this well, we don't movie. know that. The th- here's what I, let me just obviously. finish my point. So I'm trying to say that I think that there's a couple of shots where it seems that one could see, and it seems like there's nothing else going on. There's no no one talking on the metro. There's no there's no socializing. No one's talking to each other. Everyone's just kind of minding their own business. And I felt like there was a lot of that. Who's trying to say that? Maybe not in so many words, but that. There is crimes going on right in front of our face and we are just ignoring them blatantly because mm. we are focused on our own thing. And mm. I, I never got the feeling that he was talking about ignoring it as much as not seeing it. So okay. t- to me, it was more like, you know, this stuff happens every day, but it's just- In such it, plain view that right. you don't even notice it, it. And to me, that was set up with the newspaper thing. Like when they're doing that, the first newspaper was kind of our our dive into this. And then like, they really started showing us the, the meticulous mm-hmm. shot by shot breakdown later but you know it seemed like it was because like even when we saw that first newspaper scene we weren't quite sure what the fuck happened until a Mm -hmm. scene later and we realized oh he's got the wallet and like everything kind of do you guys remember any time in which they like people stopped and looked no at anything going on i think there was a couple i remember specifically one time right where Mm. the guy goes and steps in front of him and asks for his oh, wallet right. back. That's oh, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In the background, yeah. everybody stops and, and like watches. Stare, yeah. watches. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I don't think, like for instance, it doesn't even happen at the end when he gets arrested. No. Like the people are just like walking by yeah. and like not paying any attention. I also kind of, I'm sorry, Derek, go ahead. No, go ahead. I think it also is part of what the, the inspector is, is his ideal. You know, he is kind of viewing this crime and letting it slide. And he feels guilty about it, obviously, at the end. He's trying to come to terms with it when he talks to Michelle. But he's kind of representing that, the the idea that, yeah, I'm noticing it going on, but I'm not going to do anything either about it. It's just too much of a hassle. Mm-hmm. And then he has to come to terms with it. So I think there is some of that, basically, is what I'm trying to say. I think there's some of the bystander who's not being a good Samaritan kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of curious now to ask more personal questions. <laughs> Have you guys ever stepped in, like a good Samaritan kind of thing? Have you witnessed some... Theft or ill doing. Yes. In. Maybe your friend was trying to steal something. You're like, hey, don't do that. I've had that once or twice. I, uh, this is almost an unbelievable story, but it happened. Uh, I 
foiled like well i don't know what happened i i i stopped a guy from chasing down two women in an alley why was he chasing them i don't know uh i was it was like really late at night uh i used to work in a bar in chicago and so i would like really regularly i'd be getting home around like 4 30 5 o'clock 6 o'clock in the morning um and one night i just remember it was 4 30 in the morning maybe five uh like so late it was early and I got off the train and I lit a cigarette and I was standing there, uh, paused lighting a cigarette and two women walked past me dressed in like going out clothes, but walking like they were frightened and, uh, just kind of fast. And I figured it was me. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it's four 30 in the morning and yeah. it's Chicago and Creepy fucking, guy. yeah, you should be yeah. afraid of me. Like, like you don't know me. Um, but, uh, <laughs> another dude walked past in like, uh, like in, a similarly purposeful way. And it just kind of, I was spidey senses went off. Yeah, a little bit. And so I'm just walking behind him, smoking a cigarette and like just watching this occur. And then the two women cross the street together, jaywalking. Um, and start you say to, that like, that's a uh, notable in Chicago, big street. They just start like, they uh, just, they just dip between two cars and start jaywalking. It just <laughs> felt weird. Okay. Um, and the guy deviates immediately with them and the girls start running and then the guy starts running uh-huh. and then they ran around a corner. And in Chicago, I would always carry a knife on me and just, I, I what, didn't even really think about it. I just pulled the knife out and started running after <laughs> him. And the guy turned around and saw me and dipped away into an alley and then ran in through a door somewhere and disappeared. And then the, the girls were gone by then. And I just kind of went home and then mm. it just sort of ended. Have you ever witnessed a crime and let it slide? No. Never? Like no, a small, not, like, like... Oh, like a small crime? Like maybe someone didn't pay their tab? Uh, no, nothing like that. Uh, I've, seen, I've seen people, like, breaking the law or, like, doing something, like... I've only ever seen crimes occur that I agreed Do? with. Oh. Or, like, just, like, yeah, fuck them, man. <laughs> you know? Okay. That's yeah. an interesting idea right there. I mean, you, you kind of view you view someone as yeah. a supervillain. Well, he's an anarchist. Well, like. <laughs> well, like, yeah. I mean, like, if, if I see somebody committing a crime against a person, I'm going to do something about it. If I see somebody committing a crime against the system, depending upon the system, I mean, like, sure, man, fuck them. Okay. <laughs> what about, but the thing is, you're at that point, you're a bouncer for the bar. So you kind of have a responsibility to the bar's oh, authority. Yeah. And well, with that, yeah. Especially with like people that I, that I didn't view as having a reasonable ability to defend themselves. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you a story and you guys can comment on it. I, I was at Walmart and the night was right before Harry Potter 5 came out. The book came out. And my friend is a huge Harry Potter nerd. He took me to Walmart at midnight or whatever the fuck. It was real late. And he takes two copies of the book, puts them above his head, runs out of Walmart, and the alarms start going crazy. And I'm like, holy shit, I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting to buy Harry Potter and walk out. How can I go and expect to steal that kind of thing? So everyone's looking at us, and I'm like, oh my God, I'm embarrassed. I don't know. No one does anything. No one does a single thing. I would never do it. Harry Potter, you know? I would never do that. The juice is not worth the squeeze. But I love that kid. Well, he's an adorable guy. I really do like him. Not going to say his name. Um, he turned out to be a really great person, honestly, which is interesting. I just like the balls of that is funny to me. But he would steal a lot and but, in front of me. And, okay. I, and I would either have a choice of going along, stealing something with him, uh-huh. not saying anything, or obviously turning him in. And I went with choice number two. I just didn't say shit. 
So, now, but to but, be fair, though, I did read Harry Potter number five. And I read a stolen copy. But why didn't you do anything? <laughs> was it because you didn't view it, what he was doing as actually wrong? No, I did. I was. A, I was. I think I was a coward. Oh, and I didn't want to uh, put my neck out there. Oh, okay. See, like with certain things, it's just like you know, I, I just, I, I'm so hard pressed to shed tears for the Waltons. Right. This is a Walmart, so specifically, I think you you have a point. Yeah, uh, but you know, like, but who am I to judge whether like which businesses like are good a or bad? Banshee out the front door with merchandise. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> oh, it's dude. still funny <laughs> as hell. Uh, it's just <laughs> anytime I see yeah. rioting on TV really, and I see people yeah. running out of the store with merchandise, I am cheering them on. Yeah. Oh, you are. Uh, oh yeah. Oh okay. Yeah. So I mean, you know, really, uh, I thought you'd yeah. be like, you know, that's theft. My line is my but line, taxation is theft. Of course. My line is a personal level. You don't steal from people, exactly. but like, taxation. but corporations aren't people and big businesses aren't people. You yeah. know, a small shop is people, Yeah. but you know, okay. I, you know, so what I'm hearing is let's tax corporations more tax people less. Yeah. Right. Sean. I mean, on, it, it'll all end up coming from the same place, though. Like, no. when you tax corporations, they raise prices, and then we end up paying those taxes. No, it's there's true. no there's no free lunch in this equation. The money is always going to come from somewhere. Like um, always, your logic works in a vacuum. But this is it, like we just live in a lot more complicated of a of a like society or reality. Well, tune into Politinkering where we discuss trickle-down economics. More of that. <laughs> Anyways, um, Derek, did you get a review for us for today? I have a review. Because I would love to hear some. Yeah, I've got, uh, I've got some that... Uh... Good, here we go. Okay. All right. Uh, so the first one that I've got is a four-star uh, four review from... Um, oh, yeah. Uh, Letterboxd. That's the name. From Melissa... Taminga? Yeah. Uh, Taminga? Taminga. Tapanga. Taminga? Tapanga. Is that... Tapanga. Is that Welsh? On the... uh, On December 2nd, 2015, (laughs) Melissa wrote, a suit that's slightly too large. Uh Uh-oh. Siri came on. Fien. Because I said Melissa, I guess, is close to Siri. Anyway. Stop saying um, Siri. Oh my yeah, God. I shouldn't say Siri should. No, because everyone's now Christ. phone yeah. is going crazy. It, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Siri, okay, look Google. up Pornhub. <laughs> Impassive eyes that hold yours just past the point of comfort and suddenly drop. Delicately roving hands that slide off a cuff, a button, a purse clasp, a slip inward, or shy away. <laughs> she touched herself. I'm not sure. Uh, when I've been more uncomfortable in the company of a protagonist, watching him is like an experience of repeatedly accidentally catching someone masturbating, and then we both walk away pretending no one saw such a private compulsion made public. It's <laughs> a good point. You saw a totally different movie. I mean, it's extreme, but it's a very funny yeah. analogy. Yeah, it's a funny no. analogy, but in, I don't know that it's in, apt. No, in the final either. moments, the impassive eyes change. They are less secretive, hidden... There is even an open, innocent eagerness. My discomfort drops for the first time. But then, Fiend, uh, what has that last scene resolved? I am not sure. Fascinating. I think I think that's a little... Uh, so, uh, Paul Schrader talks about that. Does it, What's he say? That, is that well, the guy from Letterman? Well, like I was saying, his, his thing is about the kind of homoerotic 
sexual tension that's okay. in throughout the film, kind of, of all the robberies that occur. Because it's almost always like men that they're robbing from. There's only a few Well, women instances. don't have money. Uh, there's only a few instances that it's women, right? <laughs> like the purse, for instance, uh, being true. one of them. That's right. Uh, Wes, uh, also from Letterboxd, four and a half stars, October 18th, so very recent, 2019, very recent. Um, he, uh, he states, I liked it when every human being shown on screen sounded like they, like they were walking in a Resident Evil game. <laughs> That's a so great West, comment. I like that. Absolutely comment. stunning comment. Killed it. Accurate. Yeah. Killed it. Yeah. Footsteps are pretty loud in the mix. Yeah. yeah they were Is that a thing in there. Resident Evil? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. You hear only your footsteps pretty oh, much great. through the whole game. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, it's a scary thing, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that's what I got. Okay. Um, do we have any of the miscellaneous or rat we want to discuss? Any of you guys got anything extra? Okay, wow. <laughs> Great job, guys. Great um, job. Tim's got something. No. How nope. is, was this similar to how was this similar to Man Escaped? Did you see any similarities? Sound uh is the like that's the one thing that he really allows to to like work to its full potential, I think. Okay. Everything else he's intentionally undermining. He intentionally undermines the eye. You know, he intentionally undermines the performances. He intentionally undermines everything but the sound because it's the one thing that you shouldn't be paying attention to. Um, and really, I think what he takes umbrage with and what his artistic mission is to like change, you know, he, he wants to change the way we think about uh, like presentation in that way. I'm starting to lose myself here. Okay, but, uh, but I, I, I see what you're saying in some senses. It, it's presented similarly in A Man Escaped <sighs> as far as the sound is the primary instrument. Yeah, well, no, like, yeah, his mission is similar, you know? Okay, I do to agree. Change the way that we per, the, to change the way that we think about the way that we perceive film. I think that's a side effect. I don't think he, that's his mission. Like, don't I don't think, think so. no, I, I, that's why I think that interview helped. I don't think he's trying to be reactionary. I think he is by nature of him being so uh, strong willed and that's, and has a singular vision, mm -hmm. but I think he really is trying to show the, the inter, the internal struggle and the solitary struggle of like a man or oh, it doesn't matter, a person overcoming their own personal problems, whether it's, mm -hmm. I'm trapped in a room or whether it's I have a personal addiction. That's where I kind of got, I got this singular solitary existence from both these characters, Man Escaped and uh, Michelle. Then um, they both had to overcome, in different ways, obviously. But mm. I think that it, it was all about kind of personally overcoming. Ter Dim, uh, Derek, am I way off? What do you think? No, I, I, I think so. I think one of the, so the overarching theme, uh, this one obviously has in the beginning, it talks about the fact that the path that they had to go to, to find each other. And it ends on that, right? When yeah. he says, what a winding path to find my way to you or something similar like to that. Right. So it's this kind of, there's kind of like an, uh, like there is a destiny to things, so to speak. And there's kind of that through line in a man escaped, right? Things end up, they could have gone any which way, but that things just end up setting out right for them to escape. Because if you recall, yeah. 
the the one guy in Man Escaped tries to escape and fails. And it's because of that failure that he learns that one of the plans would not work. And then he just happens to have, he just happens to have that other guy who comes into his cell who works along with him in that one, right? And because of that, he, they're able to escape. It turns th- out not because of the, the that if that second guy wouldn't right. have come, then it wouldn't have worked. Do you think that Brisson believes in um, in luck or destiny? I think I think he believes in it. I I think what destiny is he trying to definitely or like he like some sort of like he believes that there's a plan, like whether it's God's plan or like. Uh, you know, the universe's plan, but there is a plan. There's something that uh, things work out the way they're meant to, right? Mm-hmm. And it's according to something. And some of the people in it kind of struggle with that, right? Like, because they, like, in, there's a few lines in the script. I can't, I can't even remember who says it right now, but in the film, there's a, there's a line about the fact that, like, do you think that, like, there, there exists a plan? And it seems kind of initially dismissive because he's right. dismissive of God too, right? He yeah, says, like, no I reason. believed in God for like three minutes. And oh, yeah. just the, he says that line. I love that line. Uh, and then, but, but then by the end, like the film is almost kind of proof of that, right? The, the journey that the guy takes. Because, I mean, the happen chance of him ending up back in Paris, you know, Things had to not go well for him in his travels. All these kinds of things like play together to get you that kind of resolution, right? Where uh, he's in jail, but there's at least some hope for him in the future with her, right? Yeah. I think that's true. I think he's destined to end up with her, mm-hmm. well, however it is. And, and that's kind of what they're trying to say, I think, at the end. I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's a lot there, though. Um, to unpack. There is. There's a ton. And I think we should start doing that by talking about our final reviews. <laughs> Shut up, Sean. Final reviews. All we right. should get a song for that. Actually, since Derek- It's the final, final, final review. It's since the Derek final, was just final. talking, Sean, actually, I'm going to go no. to you first. Yeah, Sean first. Song, oh, I'm sorry. He, go he, ahead. Final. Song. Do your, do your no, song. I'm done. I'm done. What was it? It's done now. Final, final. I don't know. I'm just making this. Put, 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 put I thought you were gonna do the final countdown and then do it. The final. It's the final review. It's the final review. Yes. I loved it. Good. Yeah. It's good. That was oh, very good. good. I appreciate. Yep. Right, you wasted enough time now that we can go back to Derek. Yay! Oh, it's my turn. Yeah, yeah. Derek. What's your final review? Uh, I'm gonna do go. Um, I like this one a lot of his. It's not my favorite of his. Uh, I'm still gonna go 11 out of 12. Oh wow! I think, yeah, I think I think Damn. it's a, yeah. I think this film again. Uh, it's Damn. establishing a lot. It's got a lot going on. So you believe uh, that Brisson created the perfect film at one point? Yeah. Yes. We haven't seen it yet. We haven't seen it yet. Okay, don't spoil it. Yeah, I, I don't even want to know what it is. I mean, I've got I've got more than one perfect film. You know, guys. There's we've not, saw, only we've seen be rules one of the game. Out of twelve, we know you got a twelve out of twelve for rules I've of the game. I've got twelve out of twelves out there. There's fine. They're they're out there hanging. They're out there Just hanging. Throw those things out there. huh? Yeah, they get out there sometimes. Yeah, that is interesting. Sometimes. 
Yeah, but because um, you don't strike me as the kind of person that would award such a high rating to anything. Yeah, yeah but I, 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 there's. I mean, to me, like five stars is theoretical. Five yeah, exactly. stars and zero yeah. stars are yeah, theoretical. It's, it's, you guys have different yeah. review it's, uh, skills yeah, than I do, though. Yeah. 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 Perhaps like, your review skill of my review skill, what would that be? <laughs> I'd give it a three. I'd uh, Out of... Yeah. I'd give it a one out of ten. Out of three? I don't like, I don't I don't like yeah. their you don't like reviews my, of, their, of your it's, skill. Okay. It's a yeah. boat in a swimming pool, really. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's accurate. Derek, I agree with you. I think there are perfect films out there. And I think it's I perfectly think so. fine to give many perfect reviews. I think there so. is one. It is called Back, Back to, to the, the Future. future. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on if you've seen uh, if you've seen Rebel Without a Cause before. Jesus Christ. Ugh. Okay. Tune um, in later on for that. Does he invent skateboarding in that movie? <laughs> <laughs> because because yeah, they do that back because uh, they do that in Back or to the Rock future. and Roll. Do they invent rock and roll? Uh, no, no, like, no, it's just like is there anything in Rebel Without a Cause? That Marvin Barry needs to listen to. Yeah. You know that new sound you're looking for? <laughs> <laughs> oh, good God. Two okay, it's a real Marvin. teaser for that episode, isn't it? Marvin Barry. <laughs> listen to this. I just love the way he delivers that line. Yeah. Marvin Barry. <laughs> yeah. You know Chuck Berry's famous cousin? <laughs> what? Okay. Uh, Sean. Yeah. Is this a perfect movie? <laughs> Sean's not going to. Sean, Sean doesn't. It's a theoretical yeah. five stars anyway. So I don't even, yeah, there is no perfect there's movie. No, it's a perfectly him. bad movie. The, no, I'd say I'm, I'm going like two stars out of five. Um, I admire what he's trying to do. And, you know, like like you said, this being one of his earlier films, um, Man Escape, I, I did like a lot more and I found to be more of a complete version of the characters he's trying to build here. Um, yeah, it was, it, it's just the, uh, yeah, it, it just didn't make it over halfway for me. It doesn't make it into the good side of the ledger. I never need to see this movie again. Um, I don't know that it's necessary for other people to see this movie. Um, it's, you know, it seems like an experimentation where like, yes, he took these ideas and concepts and techniques and later perfected them into something that is really, really good. But right now I feel like, you know, it's the kid kind of finger painting before we get to uh, a Monet. Mm. Huh? Mm. Um, I think that this, I'm going to give this movie a, an eight out of 10. I think it's actually a lot better to discuss and think about afterwards than it is enjoyable to watch. Mm. Now it is not, it's not bad to watch. There's some pretty cool stuff here. I think it's interesting. It does get slow. And that's enough to give it an eight. Well, I think that there's a lot, a lot of interesting ideas. I really do. I think it talks about crime. It talks about solitude, morals, laws, but I'm just supermen. Asking, like, it sounds like you're rating this movie based on the discussion you have. I just said that. Yeah. I just said, I, based, I like the discussion about it more than the actual film. Mm -hmm. If I was to rate overall with discussion, it'd be like a 10, honestly. I think okay. because I love the issues here. And I think I also have a personal kind of thing with existentialism. And I, I have a, a creepy, maybe maybe I am a little bit detached to this world in some way, but maybe that says something about me. But I mm. like seeing characters that are detached, that are a little bit 
off. And I think that I do identify with Michelle in some ways. I know that seems crazy because he's not a good character, but I- Because <laughs> he's an automaton? He is, but I sometimes am that. And I, I do empathize with the lack of emotion in certain moments of my life. And I and I understand that. So- Asperger-y? Maybe I am. I don't know. Who knows? I'm not diagnosed, I suppose. <laughs> but the thing is, I think that- um, to, to me, the, the actual movie is not as enjoyable as the discussion afterwards, but there's a lot there. And I think that there's some amazing immersive sound effects and music. There's a lot of good scenes. Derek mentioned that one scene at the train station. So there's a lot of like actual visually stunning stuff. And there is great stuff actually on the screen. So it's not just ideas. But I think when you put it all together, it's a good 8 out of 10. Um and again, I love Brisson. I just love the way he thinks. Um, I, I tend to agree with everything he says on the screen, whether it's whether and whether it's whether it's just an idea or a character or uh, I don't know. I just love everything. I, every decision he makes, I kind of like, which is weird to say. Um, I know I'm getting very vague here, but I I did enjoy it. That's um, all. I loved Jesus. Sorry for getting too much uh, too esoteric no. there. Tim, what do you think? If I had to rate this movie, I'd rate it probably as like a finely crafted tool of use. Um, it's it's a vehicle for philosophy, using film as the medium for that message. And so, for that purpose, if if you're looking to you know if you're looking at this film for that purpose and that means something to you, you're going to get a lot out of this film and it's going to do a lot for you. But it's it it doesn't work without that purpose. Like if that purpose was gone, this movie wouldn't be great. Can you separate the movie from its purpose? Um, I don't think Brisson would. I mean, I'm trying to envision this movie without the philosophy behind it. And it'd be exactly. It'd be very difficult. Yeah, like, yeah if, it'd just be boring. Yeah, if you just went to this movie, watched it by yourself, and then never talked to anyone about it, like, would it be enjoyable? I would, because I would have these discussions in my head. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Um, but I see your point, because Sean. You care I think that's a good that. point in that, yeah, maybe a lot of it is the ideas of talking about these with other people. But I think his movie is about solitude. It's about dealing with your own addiction. Maybe it's not theft, but it's these subtle, boring moments of your life where, you, where you know, you're not getting that adrenaline rush from whatever you're addicted to, whether it's video games or whatever, you know, TV shows or whatever the fuck it is. Everyone's got some sort of addiction, I think. Yeah. And I think that it's about how you deal with the other moments in that. And I think that's a, that's a, tough thing to make interesting in general, right? To, to show boring moments as an interesting thing on screen. But I like the way that he kind of pushes it through this automaton of a character. Um, oh, I, I dig it. Tim, um, I don't know. Did you find, I forget. Did you finish your review? I kind of cut you off a little bit. Yeah. I mean, you know, like kind of like the, the things about this film that needed to work worked very well. And the things about this film that didn't need to work, didn't get worried about. So, um, <clears throat> which, you know, kind of like lends me to seeing this film as more of like a, a, like his utilitarian film. Would you like a second watch? Um, you already no. stole one watch. <laughs> <laughs> very good. 
Uh, okay, so uh, yeah. Tim's gonna say maybe. Uh, no, uh, would I like a second watch? No. Okay. No, Never. I wouldn't. <laughs> Never. Um, no, I mean like just not right now. Oh, like yeah. not in the foreseeable future. Right. It's like I would butter have milk to, for me. I would have to come. <laughs> That's an apt analogy. <laughs> had, had my buttermilk. I'll have some next year, maybe or yeah, the year after you know. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I would I would be much more interested to see what else he's got going on. Like I've I didn't uh, I don't I don't see a lot in this to to come back to until I want to be refreshed with its message. Okay. I uh, it's interesting because I think there's something in this that I'm almost certain Tarkovsky like used for Solaris. So what? the part where uh, Michelle comes back and he's like been injured like like off screen right and we never saw it happen mm. uh in solaris there's a character that one of the one of the scientists on the spaceships named snout mm-hmm. and uh he is it, he's continually like got new wounds that occur to him when something's attacking him off screen uh and we never actually see whatever it is that's doing that but like You'll see like he's got like a new bandage when we cut to like a, mm-hmm. a new scene with him or whatever. And I'm like, like I, I think that that's where the origin of this came from because Tarkovsky was a big Brisson fan. Yeah. I can definitely see a lot of influences here. You mentioned Paul Schrader. I can see yeah. a lot of Taxi Driver in here. Yeah. You said Joker. Definitely see a lot of Joker. Mm. Or maybe I'm sorry you said that. But um, what I don't know. Do you th- think other movies were influenced by this? Can you kind of see that? Any others? I don't know. Any characters kind of nihilistic characters i mean i think i think even like we have to remember the time in which he's doing this is it's like insane it's like we're we're talking like the 50s right right yeah he's doing this in the 50s and he's got like scenes in which well he, he says aren't thriller scenes or aren't action scenes but we're focused on like like basically what are inserts, minute details in a scene. No one else Harley is doing that. Right. Right. Yeah. Hardly anyone else is doing that. They're shooting like everything in like those kind of like joke, like even, even later, like we, we talked about that lion, <laughs> lion in winter action scene that's in the sixties mm-hmm. where it's just super wide and it's not like, okay. you know, it's not focused mm-hmm. as much on like minute details and stuff like that. Yeah. And this is almost the precursor to that, like Aronofsky, like quick cuts of like little, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and so it's it's incredible. Like like again, we've talked about him just plodding along, mm-hmm. doing his thing year after year. Like you know, I can see this being like a seminal movie for a magician. You know, if yeah. they want, if they like, oh, the original sleight of hand movie. You know, yeah, right. Um, I think there's a lot of cool stuff. You know, just by looking at it. In that sense, yeah. you know, uh, I, it is very influential. I think I, I can see a lot of movies kind of taking things from here, bits and bobs and stuff. Uh, okay, um, you guys got any other recommendations? Recommendations? Oh, uh, I saw Marriage Story on Netflix and uh, Noah Baumbach. Uh, Noah Baumbach. Um, I can't God bless you. speak terribly for 
the rest of his catalog. I don't really know much of it. What else? Um, Squid and the Whale? Squid and the Whale, exactly. Like, I'm familiar with the name of that movie and the fact I think that Jeff Daniels is in it, but fucking besides that, I don't know. I think he did Greenberg, which I watched, like, more than a part of. Well, tell us about Marriage Story. But like Marriage Story, I loved. I loved Marriage Story, and I loved the way that he shot it. It was so interesting in that, like, he didn't cut away from things, and it served the story so well because it's just you it's it's the it's a movie about not cutting away from the death of a relationship, you know, about really looking at something and trying to be mm. like uh trying to be real about it mm, fair in a way in a situation that isn't fair to you and I assume it's a little autobiographical. Probably because apparently he's a dirtbag. I've mm. heard left his wife when she was pregnant or something for Greta Gerwig. I don't know the sixteen-year-old hearsay. Uh, well, not here. I don't know. How was Adam Driver? I heard someone say it, but Adam Driver's exquisite as much as he can be. I don't think Adam Driver's a terribly <laughs> great actor, but he was exquisite. He was exquisite. You just said he's exquisite. That's a pretty nice compliment. He was. First okay. time Adam Driver's been called exquisite ever. So I I'm just, pretty sure. Uh, well, but just the, there was one, <laughs> like, honestly, I'm thinking of the harder emotional scenes because mm. like, that's my, my one critique that I always want for Adam Driver is that I, I see him, or I think that I see him struggle for emotion a little bit. Mm -hmm. But that's um, when he takes his shirt off. Yeah. <laughs> Marriage Story was pretty good, man. <laughs> Derek, what, wait, what, hold on one second. I just uh, IMDb'd this uh, this Barback guy, Bombback, uh, Noah Bombback. Um, so the only other thing I recognize on his list is he did screenplay of Fantastic Mr. Fox. But the Ooh. reason I stopped everything is, do you guys know what his next feature coming out that is currently in or has been announced? He is working on the screenplay for the Batman. Nope. Almost as big of a franchise, though. Well, not a franchise, but a IP. Ghostbusters. Nope. Any other guesses? Going once, going twice. Pickpocket. It, it is the Barbie movie. Okay. Cool, man. Based on the um, Mattel. That's Del ridiculous. So, Bombach so did. I wonder if Billy Boy is going to get a part in that movie. They just did that Playmobil movie and it bombed. Don't, yeah, aren't they going to learn? Bomb. Don't do that. Don't, Don't make do toy that. movies. No, Don't do that. that. Uh, see, because Lego, Lego movie, movie did I fucking know. awesome. Yeah. That's and a specific thing. Though. Well, that was you know, they, yeah, they, they, they haven't, they don't learn the right lesson. The lesson that needs to be learned is make a good fucking movie, but no one fucking, yeah. No. Although I don't, the thing about Playmobil is I didn't even know it was a fucking movie until like a week ago. And mm -hmm. I've seen everything this year. And no, there's a reason, it, you know, it's so shitty they're hiding that marketing. Well, sometimes movies are not shitty that they get hidden for other reasons. Like Idiocracy was famously kind of shelved. I'm, and But I think this I'm, one I'm is not a, sure. Yeah. Not, you know, this is a big IP. I think there's a reason you haven't heard of it. Also, you know, I don't think you're watching a lot of YouTube mm. kid. You know? Yeah, yeah. I've also never heard of Playmobil until... You never heard of Playmobil? I am, like... Yeah, just be. I'd never seen. Yeah, Poor yeah. child. Yeah, I think I'm a little old for that. Yeah, maybe that's a. Uh, yeah. Uh, Derek, other rec recommendations? Um. Yeah. So I'm gonna go ahead and say I like Miyoko's. It's like a fake butter, 
but it's cultured. Is it non-dairy? It's pretty good. Okay. It's non-dairy. Nice. I would uh, I would recommend. Can you it get this at any grocery store? You can. So uh, it's at the. Um, I I don't know. They, they could Google it. They can Google. Mm. It's not at every single grocery store, but anywhere that has like like if it's a Publix or like why is it better than regular butter? Because so, it's non-dairy. It's non-dairy for one. So it's non-dairy, and then and then the second thing about it is, well, it's everything that goes with non-dairy, right? So low in, like you practically don't vomit, no you don't cholesterol. Get the shits, your stomach doesn't hurt. You know? Jews, you're gonna love this. <laughs> it's it's really good. Um, it's really I think are. it's like cultured cashew butter is what mm. it actually is. Not selling it very no, well. No, I it it I know it sounds, but you will not tell a difference. All right. I don't think she brings mm. some. It's Next really time. good. It's as cultured. a new convert, almond milk isn't as horrible as one would think. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. I like coconut milk too. It's I, I like coconuts. I like Lewis Black's bit on this. It's not almond milk; it's almond juice. Oh yeah, yeah. Because there's no true. almond nipple. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's fair. Yeah. Almond is kind of like a nipple. But uh, mm. you know, also, uh, uh, have you ever seen how cashews grow? That's weird. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Been watching Peaky Blinders. Mm. Good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Has anybody seen that show? Peekaboo. No, Derek hasn't. You nope, haven't. Not yet. yet. The Expanse is also it's a recommend. Good. You know. Yeah. You're still um, on the Expanse, huh? Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm saying the Expanse. It's been is dead a for eight years, but been listening to this band called Daddy Issues. It's a girl. Right, we got to stop, guys. We can't just list every single thing we're interested in right now. But it's been I, two and a half hours of. They got a good. Podcast. They got a good album out. Thank you. They're okay. Thank Cohen. you for listening, before everyone. You Don before Henley you cut song. everything off, I'm going to go ahead and recommend Jumanji. Oh, gosh. Uh, Jumanji. Jumanji The Next Level. It's actually yeah. pretty fun. Another Big, Jumanji. Fun. Yeah, it's the same shit, but it's fun. <sighs> the Rock plays fucking uh, uh, Danny DeVito. It's great. Listen to Jandek also. Mm. No. Make sure to listen to our other podcasts. Oh. British History Podcast. That's not one of ours. Check out all the shows in the podcast network. We got literally literary text before calling. Politic Green going out on South Park. Wild Wild West World. And this show you're talking to right now. Celluloid Breakdown. Talking to the show. You can talk at us. Yeah, I mean, talk right to us. If I set up a phone number, would you call? Yes. yes. Yeah, they could do call yeah. in. We should get a P.O. box. We should do that. Also, send money to us. Patreon. Also, subscribe. Patreon. What are we giving away this week? What is the big deal if they donate? What are we doing? I will take you camping. Oh, Tim will take you camping. How much do they have to donate for that one? All right, so. they have to donate transportation. No, no, no. You got to donate $100 to be entered into our sweepstakes. We'll be going out to Death Valley in mid-January. It's in Gold Tier Dark Sky National Park. We're going to see so many stars. Yeah. Donate $100 to the Patreon to be entered into the yeah, sweepstakes. I like that you said it was a sweepstakes because it's going to be like one person, if even, it's it donates mom. to that. <laughs> yeah. You and she doesn't want to go. <laughs> yes, my mom wins. I'm not letting her go. Right <laughs> she doesn't want to go. Nah. No? Nah, I mean, if she really wants to, I can't stop her. Exactly. She Maybe she's, she yeah, we'll have fun. You know? I'm sure you would. She would yeah. love it. Yeah, we get some like boxed wine. Just listen to like every yeah. episode of the podcast. Yeah, basically, and it'd be there. like, "Hey, Joey's mom," and she'd be like, "My name is I'm back." That's not very nice. And then you'd find her at the bottom of the stairs. 
Oh. Well, yeah. What a lovely <laughs> note to end on. Where I'd be controlling access. <laughs> Thanks, Mom, for listening and being the only one who really cares. Uh, yeah. By the way, Sean just made a joke about you at dead at the end at the bottom of stairs. Yeah. <laughs> Not better than dead at the bottom of... Ah, never mind. I love you, Mom. Give money! Yeah. Please er- give money. Eric Clapton's kid fell out of a window and died. <laughs>